If you enjoyed the Battlestar Galactica commentary at the beginning of this episode, you might want to know that it is expanded upon greatly in the 19th episode of the Kufo Exchange that's called Battlestar, Doctor Who, and Boob Skull Style, available at PufoExchange.com. That's P-O-U-F-W-A Exchange.com. Hope to see you there. And now, part of it weekly. P.S. I just have to ask you here, because obviously MD pointed out the fact that there's an election coming up at the end of the season. So you're convinced it's going to be Rosalind versus, what do you predict? Rosalind versus Zarek, Rosalind wins, then dies. Sure. Okay. Now, just a little fun fact. So the season ended, and they had a two-hour final episode. It was actually a two-parter, but it aired like one hour a week for two weeks. And in the last, like, 11 minutes of the season two finale, something happens, okay? I don't think she'll die. How can she die? How can they keep continuing on after she dies? Well, there's like 47 other people on the show, but whatever. So something happens in the last 11 minutes of the season two finale. And it doesn't end on like a to-be-continued, but it's Battlestar Galactica. It always ends on like a to-be-continued. And the next episode wouldn't come out for 11 months. The season three premiere came out 11 months later. And they pulled the fans like on all like the different websites. And they, ha- they had what they called like live frack parties when they all watched the episodes together. And they asked people, what do you think of the season two finale? And because of the last 11 minutes, it was like 94% of the fans hated the season two finale. Like it was, it was, they said the Joe show jumped the shark. They're not going to watch season three. That was awful. It ruined the show. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Once season three comes out, like the first few episodes, everyone thought they were the best episodes of the show that the show ever had. And when you pull people now, what was the best point in the entire series? They say the season two finale. Wow. Yeah. Just, I, 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 I'm, I'm steering clear of that one. Okay. Um, just telling you, steer clear of who fandom. Just don't get involved. I'll be your intermediary. Well, there you go. But all I'm pointing out here is if you watch the season two finale and you think it sucks, just remember that. Okay, I will. All right. Where the hell is Gen 2? I can't See, hear you. See, the thing with this is I, love, is I love not having to wait. See, this is the good thing. I mean, I wait until something is finished and then I don't have to wait like a year between episodes. You should be able to tell me something interesting about the Cylons by season... Three, episode four. So is this something interesting? Is it like... You're going to be they, like, huh. Is it like they all have brown eyes? Like one no, of those you're, you're going to be looking at the Cylons. And you're going to be like, okay, who's a Cylon? You're going to be going through the I list, and you're going to be like... Is it, no, what I mean, is hold it something on, like that? Two, is it like a, a similarity on. between them all? Like they all, their names all end with vowels or something? No, but you're up the right, you're jumping up the right tree. Gen 2, can you hear us? Their names. Is it their names? They don't have names. Gen 2? It's their numbers. What about, is it about their numbers? You're going to look at them, and you're going to be like, this is either weak writing, or I'm on to something. And the, the correct answer oh. is you're on to something. Oh. And then you're going to be like, okay, that's weird. What are and the then, numbers? What are the numbers of the ones we know? Uh, Leoben is a two. Uh, Deanna is a three, newspaper lady. Mm-hmm. Um, Simon, the black guy, is a four. Uh, oh, sorry. Doral. Nope. Uh, Doral, the guy from the um, miniseries who wears the crazy color coats, he's a five. You know six. And Sharon. What number is Sharon? She's eight. an eight. Hmm. So does it have something to do with the numbers? That will have something to do with part two of the question. When you figure out the thing that's kind of weird about the Cylons, you're going to be yeah. like, then you're going to look at the numbers and you're going to be like, do it's the, even stranger. The order of the numbers. Is it the order of the numbers? 
I actually think the order of the numbers may be the order in which they may have been created. The models, I think. But I actually that, but don't they, hold they, don't hold me to that. I actually don't know if that's correct. I think the order of the numbers is the order they were created. But it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything because they can look any age. It's not like yeah, um, and they they put them places different times. I mean, if but see, hmm. So, like, like, what my point is, like, okay, if Sharon is an eight, so let's say she was, like, creative, created, like, mm-hmm. around the time that she joined up. So she's been in the thing for, like, a few years. What do you mean, joined up? When some entity known as Sharon joined the military. Okay. Because they don't, do they, like, age? I mean, like, are they... That's a very she, good question. That's does actually... she have parents? Like, are there... A Mr. and Mrs. Valeri that thought they had a baby named Sharon? No, but no, but Sharon thought she had parents named Mr. and okay. Mrs. Valeri. So, like, there was actually an episode where I think you found out that her parents, like, died in this explosion or whatever. Okay. The so Cylons, like the Cylons blew up the city to plant Sharon there. Okay. Yeah, so she thought, she, Sharon thought she had parents. And I actually don't know if Deanna... You know what it is? Deanna, they never tell you if she knew she was a Cylon. Actually, no, she was, She had to have been, because she sent She the knew she was a Cylon, because she took... Yeah, she, she, I mean, I think the whole point of her little thing was because she was a Cylon. Yeah, she had to send the um, signal. So, you're correct. So, yes, yeah, so you now know six of the Cylons. Right, so that's six of twelve, because mm-hmm. there's one for each colony. <laughs> that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. All right, or is so, that not actually... Is that just... A random number. Does is there have anything to do with the fact that there's twelve Cylons and twelve colonies? Do you want me to answer the question? I would say yes if there's something to do with it, but you don't have to tell me what it is. I'm not going to answer the question because if I answer because part of the show, like we were all watching it trying to figure out the answer to that, so I don't want to like spoil the guessing game for you. Okay. But the identity of the Cylons is very important. The president's one, I bet. Okay. Shut up, Mike. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, you should. You should. You should see who they people thought were Cylons. I had a whole list going at one point who I thought were Cylons. Like they were getting down to um, Captain Kelly, the guy who was third in command of Galactica. I thought he was a Cylon for a while. Um, like every like the list of people that you There's thought were people Cylons. I'm scared are Cylons. Like who? You know that I don't want to be Cylons. Well, people like I like, I don't want to be Cylons. I don't want Callie to be a Cylon. I don't want okay. Ty to be a Cylon. Okay. I don't think Ty can be a Cylon because he's too old. Okay. I love but, Doc I mean, Cobb. I love I Doc Cobb, by the way. Would, would they do that? Like, would they make a person that was old and, like, have planted a 20-year-old man what or do you something? Mean? I don't understand Because he question. can't eat. Okay, when the Cylons were invented 50 years ago. The Cylon... Okay, here's the setup. The Cylon War was 40 years ago. Okay. An armistice was declared at the time the Cylons were the Centurions. An armistice, okay, so they, they weren't humans then? No, the Cylons, That this was new this time. That okay. was why everyone was shocked that the Cylons look like us now, because they okay. didn't before. So somewhere after the First War, the organic Cylons were created. Okay, so... Wait, so that means when he makes a Cylon to replace his kid, it's all robotic and metal? He, it was the creation of the robots. Was okay. The, yeah, I'm not gonna, it was the creation of the first Centurions is the plot of Caprica. Alright, so anyway, 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 my point is like, I, I guess I just am trying to get to the bottom of did they age or not. Like when you say that they, they, they don't, blew up this city to plant um, Sharon, like was she, you know, a child or was she an adult? 
No, this is within the last few years. Okay. This is maybe five or six years ago. So it's they, not like they plant children silently. They don't really. What they they okay. I'm trying to think of a way that like some of the older Cylons that you know now look like they're in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Or at least I think. Like like uh, Lucy yeah. Lawless is in her 40s. I mean, she could have been created on the same day as an 8, which is Sharon. They mm-hmm. do, Like, obviously, they did the thing where the actors have aged, so did the Cylons age? Well, they, they have to. But Yeah, one, well, my, but, I mean, that that's not necessarily my point. I mean, that's like saying, does the doctor age? No, the doctor's not supposed to age, but the actor's aging. But I mean, right. like, what I get, what I'm getting at is, like, if they if they made a, a child Cylon, like let's say we made a, a Cylon child, mm-hmm. like a Cylon in the form of a five year old kid, would it grow up or would it stay like five years old forever? Assuming that we don't have to worry about the actor growing up. Well, it, the part about making a Cylon child is one of the plots of the show. But it's a baby. I mean, it's half human. Cylons, if you'll know this, can't create their own children. So they don't age. But Cylons don't. Cylons. The plot of the show at the point you're at is the Cylons cannot sexually reproduce. But they can reproduce with humans, but the kid's still half human. That is the only... If you remember from the farm, they were, like, doing all the experiments on the women. Mm-hmm. Oh, what did they do to Kara? They removed... I think they removed her ovary. What? I thought... Ew! They, 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 they removed parts of her. But here is I the thing. they wanted Sh- her to have kids. Caprica, Sharon is the only Cylon to this point that we are aware of who has gotten pregnant. Because it's because of love. I mean, isn't that, it? That's basically what they were going for. It's because that, that was the only... Now, is that because God wanted them to have a baby? Is that because, you know, love is part of But she is the only one who has been able to reproduce. But what will a, Cyl- what will a Cylon-human hybrid be like? And that's something that Laura is very concerned of. What happens when this baby is born? Like, if Laura had her way, she would order that the baby be aborted. Because Laura is very concerned. What is that? Is that a uh-huh. bad thing for the human race? Right. Okay, so I have a question. Okay. Twelve colonies, twelve constellations. Does that mean Earth is um the serpent bearer? The 13th? I, actually, I do not know Ophi- the answer to that Ophi- question. Just- I do not know the answer to that question. The thing with the constellations, obviously, that was a little bit of creative thing because you can't see all the constellations from the same point on Earth. But well, maybe you could, you could thousands of years ago. No, you could. That was kind of that was that, that was that was creative license. Does, because, okay, I, but, I was wondering if the shift, the, the fact that the, they shift has anything to do with each other. Because, like, for example, I mean, like, since the times, the since of the time of the zodiac, that there's a new one in it because it's shifted. Like, since the time of ancient Greece. I don't think that was a plot point when they did that. What they were trying to show was that here's the direction of Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, this, and the question then that a lot of fans had, a question a lot of fans had was, if the 13th tribe went to Earth, and that was a representation of what, you know, the colonies would look like standing on Earth and the star patterns would look like standing on Earth, how did that knowledge get to Kobol? If Kobol was where you was the starting point and Earth was the destination, mm-hmm. that's is that is that a plot point or is that just something people thought? That is an interesting question. That when you watch the whole show, you can probably come up with a reason why. But that's bizarre. Okay. Because it's like it's like having a piece of the finish line at the starting gate. How to get there? So you're oh. predicting that Laura will defeat Tom Zarek in the presidential election by yeah. what by what margin? 
by a lot because she has the religion card now. Okay. Yeah, your prophet, Laura. That was pretty good. So do you feel the urge to write yet? No. Okay. What would it take to get you writing? I need to see all of it, I think, at this point. I don't know. Because it's so... Because, like, the thing is, I mean, with Who, it's, like, more episodic stories, so it's easier to kind of stick your leg in the door. Yeah. Um. So that's partially why that jumped out at me, and also characters. I don't really have that much of a big hold on characters yet, and it's so... Yeah, you can probably do a lot with the character. Like, you know how with Harry Potter, everyone was excited for Deathly Hallows to come out, because then fan fiction could, like, jump alive, and then by the time Deathly Hallows came out, everyone was like, oh... Okay, we're pretty satisfied with the way she left it. Like, you could go into the 17 years and the 19 years, and you could just... There's a lot of opportunity in Galactica, once the show is over, to do side stories and to Mm -hmm. to do different things. Yeah, but I think I need to see all of it, because it's, like... Because it's all there. Like, I imagine, like, if we had big waits during seasons, and if I was watching it as it was airing, I might, you know, get a little more bitten. Oh, it, it, it was actually funny. One of the, like, the podcast that made me want to start um bsg is a podcast called um the galactica water cooler and i and they um were spoiler free so they were spoilers for upcoming episodes online but they wouldn't check any of them out so they put a warning at the beginning of the podcast that you know we you know we are spoiler free and we will not discuss anything that is not on you know that is not part of any you know recently broadcast episode the last of which was in the last episode at the time that came out was called crossroads part two it took so long for the next episode to come out that they had their listeners, like, call in and say Crossroads Part 2 because they were tired of saying it. So, like, there, there's there's huge, huge gaps between the episodes. It's It gets really bad. And the thing that really sucked is, in the last season, they were going to do, I think, the fourth season all in one go, and then the writer's strike happened. And oh, gosh. Ron Moore... You should listen to it. Ron Moore, um, he created... Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and he was the executive producer of this show. And he's the one that, uh, that he and his wife will, you know, just, they'll do commentaries of the episodes. And he's a really thoughtful guy. He's a really smart guy. And they'll do the commentaries of the episodes. And he'll be in his living room, drinking scotch and smoking, yakking with his wife while he's watching the episode. And, like, the phone's ringing, and there's a Jehovah's Witness of the doors. He leaves it all in. So it's kind of like a puffle <laughs> episode, listening to him do the thing. Is this the one with the chicken? Which one with the chicken? Oh, very, uh, the f- oh, gosh, it was a million years ago. May even have been the first puff what I ever listened. You said there was some podcast where they were recording an episode and there were chickens running around or something. And there were chickens running around. I like, think chickens uh, got loose and they were chasing them in the backyard? No, the, no, I think that was a Babylon 5 one. I think okay. like, a chi- like a chicken attacked the guy, right, as he was yeah. doing or it Okay, here's something. Okay. All right, I've done the 12 constellations. There are 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Does that you? Is that anything? I mean, am I just I'm just pulling out twelve things? I'm you're th- just, you're thinking in the right way. I'm looking for twelve. I'm, I mean, for 12. I noticed they say Jesus. They actually don't. There was an ad lib in um, the first episode, or the, it was in the miniseries, where Michael Hogan, who plays Ty, ad libbed Jesus Christ. He wasn't supposed to say that. Okay, I was. <laughs> there is was actually because because they they are not from Earth, so you know. To see, I mean, it's the things. I mean, I'm reading things into things. Yeah, the Jesus Christ thing been said. They say Jesus, and they say things like like there's things they when say. Do, was that when you thought they said Jesus or? 
that's what I, I mean. I, I, I remember yeah. somebody he, said he, Jesus. He, he said Jesus, but they are not from Earth, so yeah. it is odd. All right, it, 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 it was a mistake. That was a mistake. That was an ad lib by the actor who didn't realize he said it, and they forgot to cut it. Okay. Um, there's an episode coming. They also too. they say different. I mean, there's things they say that are like from Earth sayings, you know, like, like Shakespeare sayings and stuff. Like you know? what? Like what? I don't know, but I mean, there's stuff that I, I've definitely. There's only one it. thing that I, there's only one thing I can think of that they do say, which you actually haven't heard yet. A character says "pound of flesh." Two actually, two characters over the run of the show say "pound of flesh," and during the podcast, for the first time it was said, the writer said, "You know what? I had a lot of trouble leaving that in there, but I could not think of any other expression to put in okay. that would convey "pound of flesh," but." It is, yes. Like, there's an episode where they talk about abortion, and the character refers to it as a woman controlling her body, which isn't the way we usually phrase mm-hmm. it. So, it is it is a different civilization. I mean, there's things I can believe as being common. Like, I think they would have had some, like, you could say they would have had some writer that would have coined as many words as Shakespeare did, and they may have been the same words because they're speaking English. Or at least they're speaking English. So, when you you would write as though they are speaking English. Um, think of it a little bit more... Um... No, but it's, it's like when you have have a show that's taking place in a, in a place where they're... I mean, if they're speaking a foreign language, you're going to write it in English, and you're going to write it as if they're speaking English. You're going to use English phrases. But I think right. when you have things that are explicitly cultural, it's most more of the mo- Most of the stuff... Um, is unintentional, although wouldn't it be interesting if, for example, Rosalind started spouting Shakespeare? Yes. How, how would she know Shakespeare? That's a not, that's not, a, don't think of that as a mistake. Think of that as, is that an actual plot point? Why the hell is Rosalind I was. See, I was thinking of Jesus yeah. as a plot point. I was wondering why they were saying Jesus if they. Yeah, G- Jesus they was unfortunate. Okay. No, because that, yeah, that was the thing. Because it was literally, like, I think Michael Hogan stubbed his toe. He's like, yeah, that's great. Because that was just him being. I'm actually glad you said that because that, because, I mean, I don't know why. But I In my head, I think the Cylons are Christian. And I guess if he said Jesus, maybe he's a Cylon. That, well, actually, um, people look at Baltar with his hair and they're like, he kind of looks like Jesus. <laughs> so, like, that, there was actually a, an entire website devoted to the fact that they thought the Baltar was Jesus Christ. I mean, there's different. See, I can't decide whether they're going to come to Earth and, like, start Earth or they're going to, like, bring modern, like, civilization, Christianity to Earth. Well, or... there, is, there is an Earth. Earth was the destination so of the 13th tribe. if there tribe. is an Earth, then does that mean, like, is it Earth in English? So are they coming after the development of the English language? I mean, are they going to are they gonna show up in modern times? Or are they going to show up in ancient times and, like, become us? That's all the questions that we had. Because then it's like, do they create Earth, and do they create, you know, the Greek mythology and, you know, the worshipping of the gods? And That's everything? what I was leaning towards. I was thinking they would wind up being the Greeks. But then if Earth is already there because the 13th tribe founded it, then... Who are they? Right. I mean, they had the Greek religion. I mean, I'm pretty confident... I had, this, I had this entire... That the 13th tribe is... The, was the people that started the Greek civilization. 
All right, here's one thing to throw out there. All of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. All of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. I don't know. Because, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's like Greece, but it's in a little knot. It's a little wrong, you know? Yeah. There's a very good reason. It, it, the, the, the original See, the series... thing is, I, could, I can't decide whether they're just using the names because it sounds cool, or if it's really, if you're supposed to notice that it's a little wrong. You'll just have to wait and see on that. I mean, there, there were so many, like, I had this elaborate theory that we on Earth colonized COBOL like a billion years from now and started the whole process. Like, you, like Oh, that's good. You know, like, that, we we yeah. started them and they're coming back because the they, mixed up the, yeah. they mixed up the coming from Earth story as going to Earth. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different theories. I will say that the original, right, is that really they are our ancestor there from Earth. They're going to Earth. Mike, you have to watch the show, dude, because you're, you, Mike, you would actually like this show. This, you would have lots to talk about with your friend. Yeah. Well, you must have thought we hated you because we haven't been answering. Um, I just, you were so, in your conversation, you were ignoring my side comments. Oh no, you've been, you've been on mute the whole time. I haven't heard Uh, you say a word for like, yeah, you've been, you've been on mute for like literally half an hour, dude. Yeah, it's Cause, it's because like that's the, what get me because like I know I mean I don't know whether it's like you know how like whenever you watch something that's sort of sort of based on something that you're an expert on and when it's a little wrong you you notice all the all the cracks and all the holes. The one I'm thing wondering they, whether I'm noticing the holes is because like I'm reading too much into it or if it's deliberate. Tell me a hole in the story. Well, the story about Athena's tomb, like. She threw herself to her death or something. That's didn't happen. The Lords of Kobol? Yeah. I mean, like, basically their religion is the names of the Greek gods and a little similar, but not. Like, it's different enough that I'm noticing as somebody would, that's familiar with Greek mythology. And I'm wondering I, if I'm supposed to notice it or not. I would say it's not a plot mistake. Okay. You know what it was? You're going to... The show... To, the show does a lot of things where they they leave a lot of things unanswered, mm-hmm. which is a good thing because right. they hint to you they they hit they strongly hint how it ends and they strongly hint things to you, but they don't show you everything, which is actually cooler than if they walked you through everything. Okay, it's a, it's so. a the show the show has a very satisfying ending. You like All finish right. the show. It's not like Star Trek Voyager where they park next to Earth and that's it. Like the the show has a very satisfying ending. I mean, I, I like satisfying endings. I mean, I don't don't need everything wrapped up because I, I like to think about things, but I don't like things left hanging. I think there's a difference between leaving they things basically, hanging. They basically, you, there's enough, like, I'm going to put it to you this way. I watched the whole show. I watched the last episode with both gens. So, the, so I watched it with them, and I'm like, okay, well, that's... Okay, okay, that's a good. Uh, I really liked the ending. I actually wa- watched it with Danielle right away again. Like the neg- like it was. I I really liked the ending. And then I watched like the third to last episode a couple days later, and I had missed a line in it. And that mm-hmm. now that I read, I heard that line. It like blew the whole ending like open for me, and it's that much better. So you can. It's it's a very satisfying ending. The one thing about the show, though, is like remember when you first started watching it, you were saying how like you know bad it is and how they're you know it's dirty and they're out of supplies and stuff. And I'm like, you think it's bad now? Um, the show gets very, 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 very dark to the point where like even like the 
the producers were like, we hope you'll stick with us over the next few. We understand. I think I don't mind it being dark in this context. I'm, I mean, I know I'm really waffly on what I mind darkness in. I think I don't mind it. I wouldn't mind it in this because I know it's dark going in. So I think in the back in the back of my mind, I'm not letting myself get attached to anybody. But the thing is, is that you haven't really seen it dark, dark yet. You, you're going Dalek, if it matters. Boy, I mean, it's boy, not like recording this, but actually, I actually, I believe it. Um, um, am I am I still Daleking? Yeah. Okay. I'm still interested. So let's see. So let's see. Say when I say when I stop being Daleking. He actually got worse. Oh god! Oh god! Am I now? Am I now? Still Dalek. Now? Now? Yep. Oh. Whoa, whoa, Mike is back, is back. <laughs> Please say exterminate. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Alright, how about now? How about now? Still. Alright, um, hang on, let me recalibrate the, um, field emitters. I don't know, I'm moving the thing back and forth. Let me recalibrate the warp field. Yeah, recalibrate. See, someone's watched Star Trek. How about now? He's recalibrating the warp field. You sound see now. You you sound normal, but there's like a fuzz behind you. I'm fuzzy. Yeah. You oh, fine now? How about? Oh, I'm okay. Oh, good. What, what was I saying? Oh, but the you, ending. You know what though? It, it it actually gets to the point some in some episodes where it's so dark it's uncomfortable to watch. See, I guess I just like I said. I mean, I'm going into it knowing that. So. And the other thing too is they do kill off a lot of characters. You see, I'm going into it knowing that too, so I'm. I think in the back of my mind, I'm trying not to get attached to anybody. And unfortunately, they had the one case where they killed someone off and they forgot to tell the actor. So the actor's literally reading the script and they die, <laughs> and they felt horrible and they had to like call the person and apologize for not telling them in advance that they had killed the character. But I mean, um, I wonder, like, how many, how many die? I mean, like, how? I mean, I know it's a. I kind of, I'm kind of curious to see who, figure out who it ends with. Okay. Um, they, they do kill off a lot of people. In one case, the show was filled in Vancouver and the writing offices were in, um, Los Angeles. I think they're actually at Universal Studios in Los Angeles. They have a writing office there. And Ron Moore. Now, if you see Ron Moore, he's got this huge goatee. He kind of looks like Jesus. And he's this really, he's this really, you would like him. He's just a really down-to-earth guy. He's the head writer. He's sitting in his office. He's got his feet up on the desk and he's writing. And they call him and they had, they killed off a character. And they got a call saying, you need to get up to Vancouver. The staff refused, the, the, the cast refused to film their scenes because they were so pissed that they killed off a character that he had to literally fly up there because they were like rioting on the set. And he's like, I'm sorry, it worked for the show. We had to do it. Like they did this whole, th- but they, the, like the cast, because the cast. I'm already going into it bitterly knowing that I'm sure my two favorite characters are going to die. Who are your two favorite characters? Ty and Callie. Okay. But I figure if it's like this, then if they live, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think it's interesting, because I actually didn't like Ty at all at the point that you're at. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't start liking him until he died. I won't answer that question, but I did not like Ty at this at the midpoint of season two. So He is kind of a jerk, but I like him. Yeah. Well, Adama, Adama digs him, too. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen digs him, but Ellen digs half the fleet. Ellen's so. weird. Ellen digs half the fleet, so. so so we always do a, um, remember, well, actually, no, that one won't, won't work yet for you, so I'm not going to do that. Mike, you still here? You know, it's interesting. We don't call any of our gens Jennifer. 
I call Jen McVay Jennifer when I'm mad at her. <laughs> I call you, I, yeah, I call you Michael. What's my name, though? But all the Jen's names are Jennifer. Oh, but, but in real life, I actually go by Michael. It's only here that I seem to go by Mike. For Sunday, February 28th, this is episode 98 of Potterfic Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. be again a podcast quite like this one that brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Potterfic Weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. Gen 2, is it possible you're pissing on me? What did you just type here? Now it's not working. I can't hear you piss. She's the heart of the story. Well, thank God someone's going to be. Quote from Asravan on October 22nd, 2009, 11.23, 25 p.m. I have ten galleons that says Keza ends up thinking it is at least decent and worth her time. Did Keza think it was decent and worth her time? But she didn't finish it. Ryan, did Keza think it was decent and worth her time? I think she threw up a little bit this morning. I don't... Like somebody literally wrote down my worst nightmare. But she didn't... Okay, Mike owes me 20 galleons. You owe her... Just pay the woman the money, Mike. You're not going to win. You're not... Uh, the, I don't think you're going to get out of this one. Of the I can't afford it, but I'll... You have 67 million galleons. Pay the woman's one. Yeah, yeah. You I only have 25,000 more than the number two person. I, it's not... I'll, I'll give you 20, though. I'll, you can I'll spare some galleons, Michael. All right, 10 bucks. Fork it over. Cough it up. Pay the piper. <laughs> Give me it. Plus, you, you, Michael, you know I'll end up giving them back to you later when you come up with some some ruse to make me give you all my money. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Hmm. You can hear us. Why can't we hear you? Do you Thank have you. mute on, Jennifer? Can you hear me now? Yes. Yay! <laughs> all right, Jen, while you've been gone, we've covered the um, PS's plot. <laughs> D- plot theories on the first two seasons of Battlestar Galactica. It's been torture, Jed. I am so, I, so bad. I, I really like this theory of mine. I think they're the apostles. I think it's not. Hold on, who's the apostles? The, the silence it's of the silence, apostles? Because there's 12 of them. Okay. Well, well, you go, girl. I think I think that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. There's actually... I, I think for the rest of this podcast, though, there should be no science fiction references because we've totally done the goddamn amount of science. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Ryan can reference Doctor Who now too. I can't. Well, for the first nine episodes. Wait! Wait a second. P.S. Can... Mike. Yes. You know I love you more than my luggage. But yeah. you just you just said no more science fiction references in in reference to this podcast for this particular just because they've been going on for like an hour Jen, too no 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 but I mean this story couldn't be more <laughs> science fiction oh I see well, here's, yes. a, here's a quiz we should take okay the husband test let's see what our who all our Harry Potter husbands are 
Joy, can we do? Yes, I, want, I, want, I think you guys should take it. Okay, oh, so oh Sue, Sue recorded the um, Kronk is not gay disclaimer for episode 92. Thank you, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's a point where Mike actually says something like... No, I know. He you, think- you, you, no, he said something like, well, Kronk, what do you think on this? Because I know what heterosexuals think. And Aaron answered the question. It was awful. It's like, <laughs> like, oh, poor guy. Oh, God. Uh, so, can we start? I'm We're taking the, I'm, gonna ta- I'm, I'm taking this quiz. Mike, we have to take the quiz. Hold on. Oh, we PS, have to take the quiz. Yes, there's a point in the third season of the show where someone is reading an old book at a desk, and they're reading it out loud, and someone else walks in and starts yelling at them and they put the book down and they have their fight, what they were reading out loud is very important. Okay, I'll yeah. remember that. Yeah, you, you won't remember any of this stuff. And he I wish, tell you... I wish I, I could tell you, tell you remember, these things. I can't even think of things to tell you about Doctor Who, even though I really want to. And I've actually you, been thinking about this in the shower, wondering what kind of cryptic things I can say about You were thinking about me in the shower? Sure. Has, he t- has he told you about the artwork yet? Mm. When, she's in, when she's in the apartment, make sure that yeah. you look at the artwork. Oh, I bet was... it doesn't. I bet it has no significance. Go oh, back. No. Go back. Oh, well, you can't go back. Next then time, I... next time you rent it, pay close attention to um, Kara's apartment on Caprica. I paid close attention because you told me to. I don't what know did what. You, what did you know? That, what did you know that's in the apartment? There's a lot of artwork. Okay. She. Uh, what else? What should I have noticed? Well, I was like sitting there with it paused. I'm like looking at everything and thinking. But I was it's... right. But I was right. Yeah, but you don't really even know what you're looking at until three seasons later. Oh, hold on. Did you watch Doctor Who? No. Okay. There's a point in the first episode where someone's... Here it comes. It's, a, it's the first Doctor Who reference. Everybody, you should put this in the history. Holy crap! This is so exciting! Well, no, someone graffitis something on the side of the of the TARDIS. And I'm like, well, that was rude. And P.S. or someone was like, pay attention to what they graffitis. It is actually really important because so you, I'm remember, like, you so remember I made what a, it was and you remember what the title of the next episode is, don't you? Well, I do. No, there, someone, like this kid graffitis bad wolf on the side of the TARDIS, on the side of the phone booth. And like eight episodes later, they're looking at this name of a nuclear power plant that this... And it means this bad This alien wolf. is playing there and he's like, it means bad wolf. I've heard that somewhere before. They put the ominous music on. He's like, nah, I'm sure it means nothing. And the and bomb... The bomb was Bad Wolf too. Yeah, I know. Did you see? Did you notice the bomb? I did notice. I well, I looked up the bomb later. By the way, the opera house is kind of important. Just like oh, you know. yeah. And also, um, Van Staten's helicopter was called well, Bad Wolf One. I'm reaching for my. The, um, Mrs. Huckles just came in the house and she's literally laying down on top of me right now and is like, <laughs> and I'm like reaching over her trying to reach the laptop and she's squeezing me harder as I try. So hold on, I have to see if I can hit her. Marriage is a wonderful thing. Ow, 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 ow. Okay. Why, why are we going ow? Um, my wife is strangling the hell out of me. There we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on question 11. I'm on 9. I think this is interesting, Ryan, if you take this quiz with your wife in the room. That would be awkward. <laughs> Say hi to the podcast, honey. <laughs> that was actually her saying like, hello. Hello. <laughs> You've decided to spend the day with your mate. The two of what you are running <laughs> through. I don't even guess who the answers to all of these are just by reading the questions. Just take the quiz. 
I Your man's you... roughing up some guy in a hood. Oh, in a hood. <laughs> I thought it meant like he was saying, like, in the hood. But then it's about the, the answers are all about the theater. You can't pull off the hood. You're the whitest person alive. I know, <laughs> but the answers are all about the answers are all about Death Eaters. <laughs> so it means like some guy in a hood, not not some guy, in, <laughs> not some guy in a hood. <laughs> he knows you love a good monk beating. <laughs> Has anyone here watched Firefly? No, Mm-mm. I hate Joss Whedon and all he stands for. Oh, well, go to hell. Anyone else here watch Firefly? <laughs> no. I was just, just wa- he's he's one of my arch nemesises. Well, I just watched like, the arch nemesises are Johnny Depp, Thomas Kincaid, and Joss Whedon. There's no way nemesis is a word. Um, they just I just watched the premiere episode of V, and there are not one but two regular Firefly cast members in the main cast. What did you think of V? I liked it. It was a little rushed, but I liked it. I think it has potential. You can t- I I felt it was rushed. That's actually a good way to yeah, put it. It was I, rushed. I enjoyed I enjoyed Flash Forward's pilot more, but I mean, yeah. I didn't enjoy the last episode of Flash Forward, so I'm a little nervous there. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I think it's kind of, I mean, it's been become uneven. I mean, it had a really good pilot, but it has... Well, I don't like, I'm not really fond of any of the characters is my problem, except the... Um, I like Sulu. The sh- except the shot lesbian. I enjoy the shot lesbian. Well, I didn't get a chance to see it, because I was, what was I doing? I was doing something. Well, it's like when Galactica started, I liked Laura and I liked Bill. So I'm like, okay, I can watch this again before I must see what happens with Laura and Bill. But it's like, there's some shows I watch that I don't like anyone. This is interesting because I didn't like any of the characters on Galactica. You know what I want to know? Where the hell did Laura get her hair done after the miniseries? I don't know, God. I want her hair. In the miniseries, she had like a 50s thing going. And then like it's like four days later. Her hair hair is is like always done perfectly. And there's like... All the no, 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 no. Where did she get her couch? She has this like leather couch in her office, and she has this big leather chair, like where they're just hanging around on the. Uh, I also, I loved how they didn't break the bottle when they were christening the ship because they don't have any more champagne, and so they wanted to drink it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think what they were actually saying was she would literally break a hole in the side of the ship if she did that. Oh. Oh, I thought the same thing. I, I like my idea better. Show me the results unless I sign up. I'm not giving these wackos my email. Well, you you go, Mike. You don't have to. You skip it. There's actually an episode with Laura to to relieve the stress. Um, is it Laura? I forget actually who it is now. It was either Laura or who the hell was it? Well, it was I care. It was either what, Laura or Ty. Someone I can't even remember who the hell did. You I can't think, tell if something was Laura or Ty. Could there be two dis- more dissimilar characters? Yeah, well, if you a, would there, finish your thought, I would help episode you where it some, out. Well, no, I'm not answering it too because I don't want PS to know who it is. But there's an episode where someone breaks a pencil. Uh, Mike apparently is not. A Mike, who's your Harry Potter husband? Oh, that's it. Just next to that app. <laughs> oh, that's wrong. Someone breaks a pencil. <laughs> Mike, come on. Uh, no, I've already blinked it from my memory. Okay. I'll tell, we'll tell you ours once I, I finish don't, I don't really care if you tell me yours. I'm, I'm not playing. I'll show you mine if you show me yours with Mike. I just want to make that abundantly clear. <laughs> I want to know who it is. Come on, Mike. Mrs. Huggles here, here is shaking her head Mike, 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 Mike. I'll give you all my count. Oh, right. After the podcast. Although this is not going on the podcast. That's so wrong. No, I'll give you all my galleons if you tell us on the podcast. No, I yeah. want to know who How many do you have? How many do you have? 95. 95. Ryan said that, that, you know, I, I, there's a lot I'd humiliate myself for for Ryan's gallons. You know or what? News even, I think. Come on, Ryan, give him all your galleons. I'm not giving him all my galleons to find out who his husband is. <laughs> I'm not, I, 
Give him not, some galley. Give him like fifty. Give him. 50. I'm not podcasting until I know who your husband is. Oh, that's. that's yeah, yeah, me neither. I'll tell you, I, I don't. I don't want my. I don't want it on the podcast. We can. We can talk. I'll tell you both mm. privately. I've got five and a half pages okay. of notes. Oh, you don't know I mean I've never taken so many notes in my life. I have ten pages of notes. Yeah, Gen two won't tell you any of her notes we, unless you say your husband's start name. Start already? It's like nine twenty. We have Mike, come on, come on. I'll tell you both later. I just don't want Ryan in there. Type, type it in the box. Mike. Type it in the box. I talked you down off a cockroach cliff, and you can't tell me who your husband is? I'm happy to tell you. I just don't trust Ryan. He'll he'll like make this a big podcast thing. Oh, no. It's Just tell me who your damn husband is. Fine. Apparently, I'm marrying Snape. Brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Well, we knew that already. We could have guessed it. It's disturbing, though. Why is it disturbing? You're a Slytherin. Yeah, you but like he's all Snape. greasy and nasty. But you like Snape. Not that way. <laughs> I know, but you Well, that's like because him. you're heterosexual. <laughs> True, I guess, yes. Okay, so who's your husband, P.S.? I haven't actually... I'm on the last page of questions. Because I was talking to Mike. I mean, I was talking about Mike. And then we can dive into it and see Gen 2 and P.S. debate. I mean, you, Gen 2 and Ryan, I mean. Sorry. You may, you, you may not really want to hear my Gen 2 notes. <laughs> I love Gen 2 notes. After this is done, I know Ryan would like us to share notes while we're going. When it's done, Gen 2, though, you should mail email me your notes. My husband is Bill. My husband is either Fred or George Weasley. Ooh, can you have both <laughs> at the same time? That'd be hot. <laughs> it says your it says your perfect HP man is Fred and or George Weasley. Ooh, and or <laughs> I get them both, man. You're lucky. I'm the Mrs. Weasley twin. I'm Mrs. Bill Weasley, so we're sister-in-laws. <laughs> Exciting. Okay. What about you, Ryan? I, I, my wife was sleeping on top of me. I couldn't reach the laptop to take the test. Okay, since I wasn't there last week, uh-huh. because I was stupid and, you know, I don't know when Gen to show up. Gen 2 was an 82-year-old woman last week and didn't show up for the podcast because we don't podcast on Wednesdays. Praise God, we don't podcast on Wednesdays. <laughs> Crap! It's fish night. And you know know how um, Mike was just saying, "Oh, we can't possibly talk about sci-fi." Well, let me just—I'm not going to read this yet to the uh, to the general podcasting listeners. I just want to copy this into our window real fast, Uh so that you can you can read it. And I I want to hear your first general reaction because this was. These first few Gen 2 notes are like my, my general overall reaction to the story before we get into tonight's chapters, okay? Alright. To the whole story or just what we've done so far? The whole story. Well, I mean. <laughs> is there any reason that Snape is such a ditz in this? <laughs> he like sucks at wards. <laughs> <laughs> he like lets everything read off his face. Like he's like. I always is it weird that I wondered if he ever made it to the bathroom because. He, <laughs> he, he, I mean, so Gilderoy like convinced him that he had done it. So that means he convinced him he'd already gone. Okay, but he still so, had to go because he hadn't gone. So. I don't think I, I don't think I can read this note without laughing. 
Because when I why don't we just start the damn podcast? <laughs> because when yes. I know who we are. Yeah, because when I typed it, I was laughing so hard when I typed it. I'm going to say I, I will read it. I'll read it. Okay. Right, well, we're gonna hold on. We're okay. gonna start the let's start the podcast. And now, Perfect Weekly. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm PS. I'm Jen Two. Mike. Now. PS would like to talk to us about toilets. PS. <clears throat> this is so a toilet story. It even says so. It screams out in first <laughs> in first paragraph. I think you meant to put a the in there, Jen. Yeah. <laughs> it screams out in first paragraph. I can only be read while you're dropping a deuce. Print me out and leave me on top of the toilet. Gilderoy clogs the toilet and blames it on Snape. It's the whole basis for how in the world such a travesty against all that is good and holy could happen or even be minutely, infinitesimally, all that is sci-fi possible. Gilderoy was a putz. He could never have pulled off such a good memory charm. Thus, this plot line is impossible to comprehend. Right from the first paragraph, we lost Gen 2. <laughs> Mike bet his life savings. Yeah, I know this Gen episode, like. Gen 2 and I would come before you on bended knee and say this is the greatest book ever to be published, ever. Now, just to give everyone an idea of where we stand at this point uh, in the evening, Rinna had swine flu, getting better. Death Roll, supposed to be here, uh, unfortunately not here, has swine flu. Death Roll said he has swine flu because Death Roll had story to tell everybody, which I will now tell you because Death Roll's not here because Death Roll had swine flu. Death Roll had has a car. Deathrill drives his car. A part of Deathrill's car broke. It's the part that lights up when you're running out of gas. Deathrill drove and drove and drove and drove, and his car stopped. Deathrill was not deterred because Deathrill recently purchased can in trunk that holds gas. Deathrill took can from car, walked 2.5 miles. Filled can up with gas. Deathrill returned to car walking another two and a half miles when Deathrill realized, like the light in his car that lights up when he's running low on gas, the canister that he purchased was also defective. You can't pour the gas out of it. So Deathrill had, apparently, let me actually read this from the note that he put it here. Uh, da, da, da. We can't pour the gas out of the so gas. My he needs that his canister that he bought didn't have a nozzle. The nozzle didn't work. The nozzle was defective. So he ended, uh. up, removing, he ended up removing the nozzle and pouring the gas into a 20-ounce soda bottle. And then from there, pouring the gas into the tank. So people driving by thought he was putting 7-Up into his gas tank. See, that's terrifying. I'm so afraid of gas. I once splashed gas on myself, and I was afraid I would blow up. I'm sorry. I was just picturing P.S. never farting in her life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid of gasoline. When I was 8 or 9, I was afraid of spontaneously combusting. I'm serious. I, I read this book. That explains a lot. I was in third grade. The street, holding his arms up like he could explode all over. Well, no, what happened? I was in third grade. I picked up this book about true stories. And one of the true stories are about these people who would just be going through their everyday lives and they just catch fire and burn. And being like eight or nine, I took it like as it really being true. And I was freaking out that I was going to But it is true. Fire. Yeah, well, I freaked out docu- so much that documented cases of spontaneous combustion. I'm going to start him up again. 
Yeah, I still remember that night. I slept in the bathtub because I was so worried about uh, spontaneously combusting. Really, the bathtub save you. Well, I, I was nine years old, and I was thinking if I caught fire, I could quickly turn the water on and douse myself. Not if you were asleep. Well, being I, I was sleeping in the bathtub, so I catch fire, wake up, and then turn the faucets on really quickly. Oh, uh, who has wikied spontaneous combustion since we started talking? Not me. I knew what Not it was. Me. Well, I, I, just did, I just did because I wanted to see if there were pictures available. So, uh, Ew, is, Ryan. Is, I am curious about new things. So that is where we stand right now. Um, so, Mike, your your thoughts on these chapters? You've obviously been looking forward to Gen Two and I do doing this podcast. P.S. Apparently, you could care less, but Gen Two and I <laughs> doing this podcast was a big deal for you. We were talking about Battlestar Galactica for an hour. Oh, wait. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about Doctor Who, which Ryan now watches and loves, including my favorite character. Ryan loves my favorite character. Do you not, Ryan? Well, I, I don't love him as much as some people do, but I do I do care for him a great deal. Captain Jack, you know, 2012, I'm voting. I don't know. Yes, okay. Mike. Yes. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I actually don't know if these are my favorite chapters, but I think I do enjoy them a lot just because they're so... I don't, these are the chapters I picked for the uh, Master Fic Weekly, too, just because they're so, I don't know. I, Master Fic is hardly weekly. I mean, <laughs> sorry. Not weekly. Okay, can I, can I just break in here? I apologize. Yeah. Now, like most news networks, I have the news on in the background right now on mute. Now, we are recording this episode on November 5th, which is um, the day that there was um, a shooting at Fort Hood in Texas. No so, way, really? Cable. Yeah. There was a shooting at Fort Hood. Um, Thirteen people are dead, and something like four, thirty-one people are wounded, or something. Jeez. It was. It was a psychiatrist, um, is what we believe now was actually the shooter. So um, this has been happening all day. They're now calling it a rampage and a massacre and all these things. So America needs someone to turn to, you know, just to, to see us through this. Sometimes it's your president. Sometimes it's it's the local priest. You need someone to inspire you. Like Laura Roslin. No. Like Dr. Phil. Why the hell is he on CNN? <laughs> oh, shut up, Dr. Phil. <laughs> like, what in the name of God do we need with Dr. Phil? Haven't we suffered enough? <laughs> I think, I mean, even Dr. Oz would have been better. Oh, my God. They have I think the better one would be Dr. Phil. If you're a Fort Hood family, you can call up and talk to Dr. Phil. These poor people. <laughs> Is this what Mike thinks of Dr. Phil? No, that's the sound of a Slytherin going to the John. (laughs) (laughs) Just like his husband Snape. Oh, did we forget to mention that? Damn it. It We we took the quiz live, except you didn't take the quiz. Ryan, take the quiz. Come on. It was the the toilet story. It, it, It got things rolling. All right, so Gen 2, you weren't here last week, so why don't you talk to us about Okay, well, I got something. Mike posts in our confidential podcasters chat. Be right back in two minutes. He posts there, so not to disrupt the conversation. He beats his microphone against the table and, and leaves. Gen two will tell about her thoughts on the previous chapters while Ryan takes the quiz. All right, okay. going on, go on, on mute, taking the quiz. These are the Gen two general notes for for in blood only, and I have to apologize to Mike because he really did think that this was going to be my favorite fic ever. It is not my favorite fic ever. He told me you liked it at least. I didn't say I liked it. I Mike, said come I, out of the closet. I said I read it. You sound like you're in the closet. 
I said, I, you, no, you told me when you back when you first read it, you said you liked it well enough. It wasn't one of your favorites, but you liked it. Well I enough. said I liked it well enough to finish it. <laughs> anyway, can we discuss it though? We dive okay. In? Well, these these are my these are my general thoughts on the overall story so far. Yeah. So so far, I mean, general thoughts up to now. Before you know, going into these chapters, okay, hold hold on to your heart, Mike. Because you know that I love you, right? Yes, I know. Okay, first thing, it's a Snape's your daddy story, but not in a good way. Not in a fabulous, caring, time of good intentions way. No, I agree. It's not supposed to be, I think. That'd yeah, be but, 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 to my mind. But, but let me finish my Gen 2 notes. Okay. Okay. It's a, it's, it's a... It's a Snape's your daddy story in a Lily grudge fucking Snape kind of way. Grudge fucking Snape is never a good thing. Well, grudge fucking is never ever a good thing ever. I was going to say, who would it be a good idea to do that? With? <laughs> it, it, it's something to avoid at all costs, if possible. It only causes embarrassment, leads to trouble. Hence, the big plot line. Plot line. If James's character hadn't been assassinated in the first chapter, there would be. No need to tell this story. Okay, that was my first thought. Second Gen 2 thought, what is with all the character defilement? I know this one has been beaten like a dead horse, because Kessa told me, but come on, you can hardly portray James and Lily as low-life scum and then hold Snape, Luscious, and Narbicha up as the epitome of parental models. Luscious makes me twitchy. You say, you say his name, Luscious? Yeah. She's making fun of him. <laughs> he's making me, he's making me, he's making me twitchy. He's making my bad, 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 bad button flash. And I keep, I keep expecting Harry to look out the bedroom prison window and see a dark panel van with no windows and a muddy license plate. <laughs> then, of course, we did the toilet thought. I agree with you on everything except Lockhart, actually. I agree with you on everything else. And then the, even Midas could not handle the weight of the world. So what's with thinking that Dumbledore can or should? And I don't like the Dumbledore hate fest. Okay, so that's my thoughts going into Chapter 15. But we know, but we know we're past 15, right? I, I yes. thought, I, she, the instructions were that while Ryan was finding out who his husband was, Gentoo was going to tell us what she would have said last week if she was on. Oh, okay, I see. My God, you haven't even done that yet. <laughs> So uh, my husband's these... is Remus Lupin, in case anyone wants to. <laughs> 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 you married Snape. You have nothing to, to hold over me. I married Bill. I married the twins. <laughs> Gen Gen wins. Wins. Wow. <laughs> we eat my a lot brother, of my brother that. wasn't even the brother with the towel. So, Jenny, um, just discovered uh, Lee, Adama, and a towel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. isn't that I am a fan of Lee and a towel. Yes, isn't it great? That was a really good episode. Didn't it's you also just, British. Uh, didn't you wish that he would just drop the towel? He almost did. It was like, it was literally just hanging in there by a thread covering Lee Jr. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <it was. laughs> weren't you chanting? Drop it, drop it, drop it. 
that on it, it would be on national television because it was being filmed. <laughs> okay. I, I, so, I shouldn't be talking about Luscious making me twitchy and then, you know, be talking about the Apollo penis. I always call him Lucius. I call him Luscious because he he thinks he's Luscious. I spell anyway, it Luscious. I spell it Luscious, not well, Lucius. I spell it Luscious in my notes. It's supposed to be a, a pun on Can we just Lucius. call him Lucky? Is that possible? <laughs> can we do that? Lucky. Or can is we Harry, call Snake? Is Harry's in these chapters, Harry calls him Lucy, which I thought was wonderful. <laughs> I read that. <laughs> Well, what did you guys think of the whole Lucius? Lucius is a character in these chapters. I think he's a child Lucius molester. Is a bagel. He, I think he's a bagel. He's like he's, he's he's like twirling his hand through Harry's hair while he's looking up at Snape with a smile on his face, like he's mine now. It's creepy. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's just see some of the notes. See, see some of the well, things. He that... thing, but, but he, he doesn't. He's not really interested in Harry. Though, he's purposely doing that to, to like creep Snape out. But he's still creepy. I mean, the fact well, that he... be creepy. Yeah. And you, you guys, <laughs> that works incredibly well because it's. <laughs> well, did you guys also pick up the? Re- that's that's the reason why he cast the Imperius on Harry too, right? Oh yeah, we're smart. But see, chapter well, sixteen. I, I, I thought Ryan would pick up on that actually. Chapter sixteen. Can I pick up on? The, the reason why Lucius casts the Imperius on Harry is to is to make it appear like he was molesting Harry when Snape sees him because he's not that dazed sort of confused. Ew. <laughs> so here, here's this, Mike. This is how much. This is how skeevy I thought. <laughs> this is how skeevy I thought Lucius was. Chapter sixteen. I made this Gen two note. Is anyone else's head screaming? No, Harry. Don't take candy from that stranger because I'm running a bad man. <laughs> this is actually why I think the story. This is one of the reasons why I think then, the story's so good, actually. Because I don't think seven, you're. I think you're supposed to find him this way. This is what she's aiming 17, for. Chapter seventeen. Chapter seventeen again. Oh, oh, oh! Bad man, bad man, bad man, very bad man. Must keep hands to self and not touchy touchy. I do not like bagels. No, I don't. I won't read it. No, I won't. You know what it's like? You know how sometimes when you're, because you know how everyone here, when you're kidnapped, you start to kind of like Wait, have sympathize. I been kidnapped? But like, you know, like, well, just picture the last time you were kidnapped. You know, you, you know how you kind of sympathize with your kidnapper? Oh, yeah, 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 I had total Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, yeah like, w- when the terrorists get you and you're in the al prison camp for a few months, you start to think like them because you, that's all you know. Well, the only way that Snape starts looking good, Snape being the child's, you know, beating father, starts looking good, is when he shacks up with the child molester for a week, Snape <laughs> is looking pretty good. So that's the tactic you have to do. Yeah. You have and to I, literally stand next to someone who makes you look terrible. Yeah, like the only again, way Malfoy will start looking good is he starts standing next to Voldemort. For a while. And then oh, I, again, in chapter 18, again, I say, yes, <laughs> Harry, get away from Luscious. He wants to bagel you. Grabs a bread knife for defense. Even Dumbledore knows Luscious is a bagel. He says it right here. But we know it's not really what he was interested in. He's interested. He's using that to get to Snape. Like he's trying. He he realizes Snape that thought pops into Snape's head, and from that point on, he starts purposely doing it to screw with Snape. Honey, no, that, that's a story. Like, like even Snape says he has no interest in that. 
Oh, honey. That, that's cl- yeah. You don't you, so you don't think you think that was genuine feeling on his part and not him screwing with Snape. It's the child molestation part. But we still have to. Read Everybody it. has to have a. If if you're doing that much touchy touchy, you gotta have some proclivity for it. I, I, I read it as him. I read it as like a purposeful. I mean, if not, step step. then they gotta like recruit him to be an actor because he's like. The, I mean, he could he could play like, Hitler or something. It's kind oh, no, of like he, it's it's like reading the or it's like reading the the autobiography of old creepy guy from Family Guy. <laughs> With the popsicles, you know what I mean? I don't like Family Guy. I don't ever watch it, so. I don't he's, the, he's the 88-year-old neighbor who's like, I got a whole freezer full of popsicles and tries to get all the kids in the neighborhood to come over. He's obviously like the child molester in the neighborhood. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's when you read it, you're like, okay. And like, like the thing I guess about the story is, like, I'll even put it this way. When we read When a Lioness Fights, I didn't like it. I couldn't get into it. The characters were weird. Hermione spleens plopping out all over the place. And she's got, like, it just, it was bizarre. And it was, like, written in, like, reverse order, I think. So it's like, I can't even keep track of the plot. Like, it was, it was not a good reading experience for me. This story, you can tell that the, the, the author has put time into thinking out the plot and thinking out where the characters are coming from. And like Mike said, there's, you know, layers and layers of different characterization. But, it also, it, like, I disagree with Keza last week, because Keza's take last week was, I don't understand why people would write a story like this, because it's so different from canon. And yeah, it's different from canon, but that's why we have fan fiction. That's okay. But I guess in this one, it's so well written, or it's so well thought out, but do I really want to, me personally, I didn't feel like sitting there reading, you know, how <laughs> Malfoy does his child molester thing, so Snape will get jealous. Like, I don't want to read that. Like, ugh. Well, here's here's my thinking on the whole Lucius thing. Call him Lucy, if at all possible. <laughs> the Lucy thing. I think one. Well, first off the bat, I think we're supposed to find him totally creepy and nasty, and I think there's something wrong with you if you like him in this. And I think that she does an amazing job of turning him into like this sort of flushed out creepy villain, who you want to like, you know, rip his head off or something. I think that's what you're supposed to. And then in terms of the dynamic between him and Harry, I see two... Hey, Brian, you're... Is that you? Static. Am I Daleky? You're not yeah. really Daleky, there's just some static. Yeah. No, I just had to move the laptop for a second. Hang on, let me see if it gets better in the moment here. Is it so bad that, like... Now you're a Dalek. I'm a Dalek. My head's in a refrigerator in a moment, unfortunately, so... Do you take your laptop with you into the kitchen too during podcasts? Well, no, 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 I, I never could. Yeah. I always, I always had to stay very stationary, and I could never, I could never do, do it before. But right now, I have have much, much stronger, stronger internet. So I'm like, yeah, all right, stop talking a minute. <laughs> Why am I, doing I think it's very interesting to be able to interview an authentic Dalek. Well, no, no, <laughs> this can be like the other side of that. Hold on, going back to Rex Stryker's segment. Is this like evil Ryan? Yes, this yes. is evil Ryan. This is Ryan, this is Ryan, Ryan the child monster. Come back, come back. Evil Ryan is should be called Nair. How are we doing? Because mm. Nair like is Ryan backwards. Am I better now? Yeah. Um, there's a little bit, not, not all the way. They're static, but your voice is normal. That's good. I can't. Now you're back. Voice. I'm back. Yeah. So anyway, the Lucius thing, or Lucy, whatever you want to call him. Let's go with so, Lucy. So, couple. I think there's a couple of different layers going on with him. I don't. One of the things I like about it is I don't think 
I, I think it's all the way through he's a creepy bad guy, but I don't think it's a one-dimensional sort of thing he has going on with Harry. I think, first of all, I think the, what the author meant and how I honestly read it is that he has no sexual interest in Harry at all, not even remotely. And But he picks up on, that pops into Snape's head, and he picks up on that, and all the way through it's him trying to convince Snape of that. And that's why with things like when he does the Imperious Curse, it's because he does he has no interest in actually molesting Harry, but he wants to give the appearance of. So he does things like the Imperious Curse, or only when Snape's watching. You notice it's only when Snape is watching that he then moves his hand to do that, you know, to, to rub Harry's hair in a creepy manner. So it's it's clearly to my eyes meant to be not that he wants to molest Harry, but that he wants Snape to think he's molesting Harry. And in terms of his actual relationship with Harry, I think there's two dynamics to it. One dynamic is he's just escaped from Azkaban. He kind of wants like a replacement Draco. And by the way, one thing I do get from this is this is why Draco's so screwed up is because of this guy. Um, and the other dynamic is I, I think you actually even see it shift. Like I think at first he's just sort of like bored and he's talking to like the only other person in the house in like a creepy Lucius way. And then it becomes Harry becomes sort of a, a pawn in his little power play with a snake there. And that sort of transforms into that's my reading on it. Well, I guess I'm. I would prefer it to be. I guess if I had to make the choice, I would prefer him to be doing his child molester impression rather than being an actual one. Um, you know, it's, it's we're reading a story about Harry spending his summer vacation or his you know, winter vacation with like the creepiest guy ever, and his abusive father. In the in the dead house elf. So you're like, <laughs> this is actually darker than Battlestar Galactica. But you know, it's so- supposed to be really dark. Like, would you agree? It's really dark and that it's convincing and, re- and good in the sense that if you wanted to read a story, like, Lucius is supposed to be like, a really evil guy, and I think she really captures him as like a really creepy. Like this is what a Death Eater is supposed to be. Oh is yeah, this screw Lucius. in blood only. They she should have called this story the Vacation from Hell. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no, no, it was like, it was like, there was this kid I used to go to middle school with, and he was the most depressing human being I've ever met. Like, he didn't have any form of mental illness, you know, nothing, nothing wrong there, but he was just so damn depressed. Like, everything was whining and complaining, and blah, blah, blah. like, he just, he, he sucked the life out of every conversation I ever had with him. And I remember thinking, I would hate to wake up one day and find out I'm really him. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like that. Like, like I am that person, and I just—I would hate to have that kid's life. Could you imagine Harry waking up, finding out you're a Snape, and this is Uncle Lucy? <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, I would jump. Like, that is not a good situation to find yourself in. No, no. <laughs> and and for good reason, as we see with Harry, why it's not a good situation to find yourself in. And I, I, I still don't. And I'm sorry, but I still don't buy that. That Lucky is is it's all uh, completely all an act. I think he's so twisted that he's deriving some sort of sick pleasure from what he's doing. Oh, I, I think he's deriving sick pleasure from what he's doing, but it, the, the sick pleasure is from making Snape think that, not from anything with Harry. I think it's all about Snape, right? Because otherwise, why is he only doing this? when Snape's around, and why is he going out of his way not to molest Harry, but to make it appear, you know, to cast the Imperius on him so it looks like he's molested when he walks by Snape, and to only touch Harry when Snape's looking... But he is molesting Harry. But the distinction, the distinction is subtle, but, but see, it, he is molesting Harry because 
it it may not be overt. True. I mean, he may not be, he may not be you know touching peepees and all that stuff. But I mean, Harry okay. is reacting like an abused child. He's well, actually he sexually with, abused yeah. child. Because the thing with Harry is when, when when we read the canon, he's beating up Death Eaters at sixteen, and you're thinking. You know, as we read it, we're like, well, Harry's only a kid. They make him seem like an adult. Then you read stuff like this, and you're like, well, Harry should be able, you know, if he can stand up to Voldemort, he should be able to deal with, with, with Uncle Lucy. And, and, and you stop to think about it. Harry needs at least eight years of intense therapy after just this vacation alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Harry, Harry is acting. He's, he, he's behaving. His whole demeanor changes as a result of this vacation. He is behaving like an, a, a traditional, I mean, a, he's like a textbook definition of a sexual abused child. He's sleeping in the closet and he's looking back at the Jersey's as the good old days. <laughs> it's See, that's, that, I think that's what really got me. I don't think under any circumstances would Harry return to that mentality. I actually like that. I can't remember, remember if I said it last week, but the yeah. mentality was... He, right now, is the center of everything. Everyone depends on him, and he doesn't feel like he is worth a damn or can do anything. He wants to go back to the good old days where everyone hated him and he wasn't responsible for anyone. He could just stay in the closet and no one would ever come looking for him. So I could actually see that as psychological escape, just retreat back. Yeah, I mean, he's totally dissociating from what he's living there, and he's going back to a time that he thought was the worst possible treatment that he could have had. And, and he's now thinking that that was roses. So luscious is just skeevy. Yeah. Ryan needs to go sign him up for a list and send him a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, do you agree that he is well portrayed as a character in the sense that he's supposed to be evil and skeevy and give you the creeps? Like that's you know, if that's the intention, it's it's a damn good bit of writing. I mean, don't you think that's the intention? He's an evil death. Like, this is supposed to be like I don't think anyone's is, supposed to sympathize with him. Yeah. No, but what I'm saying here is the author does the let, let, let's put it this way for Mike. The author does a great job of of crafting a a, a, a Lucius that is creepy and freaky and in terms of, you know, psychological creativity, right to Harry that I think is very... If this situation were to ever happen in real life, I do believe that Harry would probably react much this way. So I think the writing is very solid. The question comes down to, you know, on that Friday night with, you know, the storm outside and the candle, you know, lit room, are you going to curl up next to the fire and read the story of, you know, Uncle Lucy trying to, you know, twirl <laughs> Harry's hair? It's, well, I think, I think, well, I, this is not... I think, I'm actually on Mike's side with this issue where people are saying, well, why would she, why would anybody want to read that? I mean, no, it's, Harry... it's, it's great, but you know what? And, and I, I just want to, Clarify my thought. You know, like I even said last week, people love all different types of things. So you can't fault the story because it's not something you personally like. I'm just saying it's a very, 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 very dark story. So I mean, it's not a. I mean, it's not. A, I mean, it's not. A, um, like you said, it's not a story you would, you know, come home on a rainy night and curl up by the fire with. But I think, I mean. I'm first of all, I want to preface this by saying I am not going to compare this to real literature, but I'm just going to say <laughs> that a lot of real literature, like you're forced to read in school type of thing, aren't like good 
the stories that you want to curl up by the fire with, but apparently it's important because they make you read it. I mean, I know that sounds terribly uneducated and stupid, but do you get my point? Oh, it's and like- while we're on the know the force to read, Keza says hi, everyone. She's having a very stressful week. She's writing hi, a thesis, Keza. and her husband was in the hospital. I left her in charge of Puffwell while I was gone. It nearly burned to the ground, and Keza was literally, like, with the fire extinguisher. <laughs> Where the hell is he? Trying to put the thing out for me. So Keza has done so much, and she just couldn't get the bageling of Harry down for this week. So yeah, she was very, she was, she was very, she was very adamant about it. She was a little stressed. She's also we had Keza and I had a, a nice conversation while I was I was eating a sandwich, so I couldn't type back to her. So she was talking at me and telling me all about the bageling of Harry. Keza's yeah. one of those days where she's screaming into the menu at the Dunkin' Donuts drive-through, and there's no one there, <laughs> and you're like. No, know who Keza is this week, and I'm trying to, I'm trying, because I was like this right before my wedding, so I understand where Keza's coming from. Do you remember Steve Marvin in Father of the Bride, where he's having a fight <laughs> in the grocery yeah. store with the excess yeah. buns, and he ends up behind buns? Like, that's the point Keza's at right now, so we shouldn't <laughs> think it was a good idea for Keza the podcast. That's all right. But yeah, I, I think in a sense, P.S. did hit it on the head that, uh, this is a dark, this, these are dark chapters, obviously, but what, but what I guess you should take out of it is, at least to my opinion, you guys tell me if you disagree, I think that, like, I think it was it Ryan that said, that, you know, if, if you assume, once you take the starting premise, this is how I could, I think Lucius is in character, like, this is how I would expect creepy, nasty, evil Lucius to be, I think Snape's in character, I think Harry's reactions are realistic, and I, I guess that's what I take out of these chapters, is even if it's too dark for you, which is totally fine if it's too dark for you, I think it's everyone's in character and plausible in what they're doing. Well, I think Snape was in character so much that his his desire to have Dumbledore love him, I think, was an interesting way to go. I think the fact that Snape in this story had an abusive upbringing, I think, is an interesting way to go with the character. I think his rivalry with Lucius in that one-upmanship is a, is, is a decent way for them to go, because, uh, you know, Lucius was the pretty boy in school, and Snape was the guy with the nose the size of New Jersey. So you, you can tell that there'd be conflict between the characters, which is a, a good thing to point out, because in most stories, I think people just have them being BFFs with each other, <laughs> which is which is a little um, unusual. The one thing I, th- I thought was interesting that E.M. Snape um, characterized into the character... See, catch that characterized into the character. I'm talking like an mm-hmm. idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, was was that Snape is somewhat of a moron. Like he can't make wards for his life, and he gives up. Like like there's points where Harry is talking down to him because he's missing key tactical, <laughs> you know, issues, and he's the spy. And Harry, who was recently <laughs> shot and beaten, is like, no! Here's a perfect example of that. Chapter yeah. 15. Mm-hmm. Snape will not tell anyone else his motives for, be- for for being a spy. And he's lived all these years, you know, spying between Dumbledore and Voldemort. But all of a sudden, he's just going to open up and explain to Harry why he's a spy. Because... Harry said, pretty please, with sugar on top. Well, Harry disarmed him, which is unusual. Well, because Harry disarms everybody. I mean, it's the only thing he can do. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <really> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> 
until he learns the why should he even screws up the blood boiling curse? I well, think the that's thing that. I thought was was ridiculous was at the very end of it after Snape like you know drowns Lucy in the pool outside and then like steps on him and then like cuts his hair off and he's like beating him <laughs> and, stresses and, him up and then then he picks up Harry and carries Harry inside and Harry's and Harry's doing the thing where he's grabbing Snape by the shirt to pull himself up and he's got one hand over his heart and then he lets go of Snape to put his other hand up in the air like Romeo and he flops back down on the couch again and he's like you called me Harry and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I got that. <laughs> that's awful he called him Harry Lucky will have heard that and now Lucky must be killed and I'm thinking of all these plot points and Snape's like I, I did call him Harry. I wonder if I'm becoming a sensitive father. Like, yeah, and, and, and then Snape realizes... Like, he's you like, idiot, you called me Harry in front of the Death Eater. Yeah. <laughs> Snape instantly yeah, and, realized where Harry was going, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm <laughs> dim as shit, and I got it. Well, but then Snape also realizes, uh, uh, along with that, that he also realizes that that Harry is this conniving, insolent, you know, he calls him all these names. Why He's, did he think that? Because I thought that was... he, here's the th- here's my reading on that. If all you know, of right. the traits that he, all of the traits that he's attributed to Harry over the years, and then he he suddenly gets this eureka moment, and he's like, "Holy shit, that's <laughs> just like me!" <laughs> bum, bum, bum. I'm <laughs> conniving and insolent and in a bad mood and shitty and pissy and moany and I talk back and you know he's just like wow I have to be a good dad now cut to Lucy in the backyard I feel <laughs> happy but you counter that with what's Harry's last sentiment is um is, is that realizing that Snape's the same sort of person that Lucius is that's Harry's last realization in the chapter three but he's like Oh my God! This guy is no different than Lucius. He doesn't care that I killed the house off. He has, you know, he's the same sort of. He's like he comes home. I killed the family dog. Oh, it happens. (laughs) What? I would at least be annoyed because it was useful. I mean, that's like. I mean, he. I mean, it's it's like he totaled your car. He's like I killed. I killed the dog. We knew that could happen. (laughs) <laughs> was any was anybody else singing Barbara Streisand in their mind when they were going to the pensive? <laughs> I did like the part where Snape leaves the pensive out, and Harry's like, "I try not to look through your pensives anymore." Very sorry about that. He's like, "Well, you're supposed to. I left it out. That's why I put it there. I wanted you to dive in." Misty watercolored memories. Oh, I'd like to point out last week Mike was like, No, really. Lots of people love, love, love this fic. Our own Sue at Ducksfoot sobbed during some of the upcoming chapters. It's because of the ducks. Well, no, now Mike comes to me tonight. Apparently, Sue didn't cry at the ducks. I misunderstood. (laughs) (laughs) Those poor ducks. What did you guys think of the whole duck and and that? That was terrible. I called Peter. Pamela Anderson is rolling over in her bed this evening. <laughs> That's, do you think the ducks are worse than the, the house elf? Well, I like ducks, and house elves aren't real. 
Well, you have to. Well, it's actually done very well, and that it is done very well. I think. Well, because yeah. it opens with Harry has to either kill the ducks or kill Malfoy, and he's thinking to himself, "You know what? I actually do eat duck. Like I can't end the war over the ducks." So he's like, "I'll just have to kill the ducks." So he kills the duck. He feels awful. He kills the other duck. He feels worse. So, so Harry all for serious. Like, but you didn't think ser- I, I, I do this for you. Then he's like, "Serious doesn't even like ducks." <laughs> So then well, that so then we move on. So then we come to the house elf and now it comes down now number one, Harry's drugged. Number two, he's under the Imperious curse. Number three, if he overcomes the drug and the Imperious curse, he still has to kill Malfoy and screw up the war effort and Voldemort and Snape and the spying business and everything. To save the house elf, he probably can't even save. So now it's it's a slippery slope for Harry. At what point does he stop? Well, he stopped. The, he didn't kill the house elf. He picked that up, right? Right. I did. Yeah. Well, they, they, they come on. They tell you he didn't kill the house elf. But I'm just making sure. <laughs> well, no, he thought he killed the house elf. So now, oh, now is Ryan the new Mike who has to like be told to notice things? No, I actually caught that. They made that rub- rub- very, very clear. <laughs> did you get That's- why? Did you guys get the significance of Lucius's offer to take the blame for Harry? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Lucius offered to take the blame because Snape is an abusive father, or that was his excuse. Well, here's how I read those, and you guys can disagree with me. I, I, I think that was. I think that was. I think Lucius's entire plan with Harry is very clever. First off, he's he clearly, orchestrated it so that um he could take well, the blame. Well, first off, he's clearly working Harry up. That is, you can clearly see how he's like, you know, start with the ducks, then go to the house elf, then go. Well, to he's the, manipulating him. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's he's stopping you know, him. Well, you can kill one duck, or I can kill them all. You know, he's clearly manipulating Harry. When we get to the when we get to the house elf thing, though, um, obviously, like we know, he tries to make Harry kill it. Harry can't, so he, you know, whatever, knocks Harry out, kills the elf himself, and convinces Harry Harry killed it. But the significance to me is he's thinking of Harry as a classic Slytherin. And in this sort of situation, if you have a sort of classic Slytherin who's already dabbling in the dark arts and who's kind of like a sneaky, shady character, and you take the blame, and he knows Snape's, he knows Snape's, he knows Snape's if, you know, Lucius tell, as we see, Lucius tells him I close your house off, and Snape's like, <laughs> I thought you might do that. So, you know, clearly Snape's not really heartbroken over the stupid house elf. Uh, but doesn't Snape wonder how did you kill the house elf? He just, we just lied about the wand thing dying. That was just him BSing Harry. Um, but, he, but here's my point. So the, the point being, though, that because the, in the classic Slytherin sort of mindset, because Lucius took the blame, now Harry's sort of forever in the palm of Lucius's hand. Because if he ever tries to, to, to come clean and be like, Lucius made me, it'll be like, well, why didn't you say this at first? Why did you let Lucius take the blame for this house elf? What on earth are you talking? You know what I mean? Like, he sort of backs himself he, in the corner. He thought that Harry would never say, I killed the house elf. Exactly. He thought Harry would never go to Snape. Harry is like Jimmy Carter in the bunny rabbit, and he can't wait to tell people about the well, house it's his Gryffindor side. I think that's a miscalculation, is it? Well, yeah, because that's, 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 what, that's what abusers do. That's yeah. what abusers do. They abuse you, and then they expect you to walk along and, and act like nothing happened. So Jimmy Carter was, very, was a was Gryffindor. But going back to the ducks. Going back yeah. to the ducks. In chapter 17, when they first come along to the ducks and, and Harry's watching the pretty little ducks and, and, and Luscious throws in the, the, the loaf of bread and he's so surprised and he's never had bread to feed ducks before. I knew something was up with those ducks. <laughs> I knew something Is was up with Is anyone else picturing Hedwig moving to the left? It's like, moving it's more like to the, the gun the on the man. Yeah, it's like because I made, the, I made the ducks appear in the story. They're either going to be evil or they're going to be killed. Or <laughs> because gonna... I made the note. I made the note. 
not the ducks. Whenever an innocent animal shows up in a fic like this, it always means it's going to be butchered later. Yes, Save I the ducks. So create, create a Facebook group. Start a cause. If one million people join us, we can stop the senseless murder of waterfowl. <laughs> Save the ducks. See, it's like you're sympathetic to animals. Like, I was more sad about the ducks than I was about Winky. Was it Winky I mean, or Blinky? I mean, whatever. <laughs> winky, Blinky, Tinky, Winky. Was it Mickey? <laughs> no, not Mickey. Minky. 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 His name's probably had Minky for like 50 years. Like, seriously, he's the worst house guest ever. He comes over and bagels his supposed nephew and kills the family elf. <laughs> and it's off. It's off. It's, it's not then, even funny. It's terrible. And then two chapters later, when it actually happens, I say, I told you, the ducks. One million people did not join our group. <laughs> And I wail, incinerating ducks. I'm just speechless. The duck. I can just see their feathers just going. See, I'm picturing, he was do the thing I'm where picturing he, like the make way, make way for ducklings, ducks. Yeah. I'm like, it's Mrs. Duck and Mr. Duck and all the ducklings. Yeah, they're all waddling back behind me. What are they? They're like whack and pack and tack and. I knew I didn't have time. Aww. Oh, how do we tell P.S. to come back? P.S.? Chat window would be a good way. Oh, look at Mike. Someone went to college. Mike, get her back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, despite it being I, like, like a horrible scene, I thought it was like a horrible, well-written, very believable sort of scene. Mike, like, are you on an airplane of some kind right now? It's, it's like the farm I'm on my that broken was... microphone is what I'm on. So you won't let me use my new microphone. Well, I'll let you do it, but we just can't hear you. It's the Farmville ducks with their little waggy little butt tails. And anybody who plays Farmville on Facebook knows what I'm talking about, those cute little butt well, duck I thought, butt. I, I thought what he was going to do is he would light the ducks on fire and Harry would be forced to put them out of their misery by blowing them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're talking, fat, like the we're feathers talking about going everywhere. Spontaneous combustion. and I, He's combusting the ducks. Although that was nice later when Snape, you know, checked Harry's wand in the last spell the hippin performs and send you. Thinking <laughs> thinking it was the house elf, it was actually. So, Ryan, where would you rate this Lucius out of in terms of all the flicks we've read, in terms of like creepy evil bad guys? Where do you put this one? He's pretty creepy evil in a year like none other, although he was kind of like at the end he was creepy evil. And that fic, in the beginning, didn't he just, like, walk around crawling and getting pat on the head by Voldemort? So that was kind of creepy. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. That, that was just kind of sad and pathetic. <laughs> Although in this fic, he's also sad. And you know what's bad? When you get kicked out of your of, of your, your new home and you have to go live with the knots. Just dump some of the thing, not manor. 
That's <laughs> a great upswing. Is PS back? Mike, I th- did you get PS? I thought I told you to send her a message in the chat room. You, I, I told you. I thought you did. No, I told you to come back, PS. I, I, you said, "What can I do to get PS back?" And I said, "Send her a message in the chat room." I said, "Go do it." Hi. How long were you not taking me back for? I literally only needed you to be gone for five seconds. It was an administrative error again. And then Mike and and Mike, <laughs> we're talking about it, and Mike's like. Send her a message, and we're like, okay, and we thought he sent you a message, and then I'm looking at the box, and you're still typing, and it's like, oh, my God, there's a tragic animal death on BSG. I assumed, see, I assumed that's what you made me go away for, because we were talking about the ducks and stuff, and my and Ryan says, oh, I know what it's like, go on mute, P.S., so I assume whenever I'm told to go on mute, you're talking about BSG, either that or Mike just told you what he sent me. Really good. It could, be, it could be anything. You might want to sign up to edit this episode to get out. <laughs> I'm editing the one before. I know what he sent you. Is it good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's sending you the package he mailed to Jen three years ago. They finally found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's lost into the, the pit you'll of be a, You'll be able to appreciate this, Mike. I haven't told, I hadn't said this first. When I started my notes, I put mm-hmm. in blood only a Mike-style fanfic. <laughs> what were some of when you put IBO up on your uh, Facebook page tonight? What were some of the um, things you your friends? Yeah, hold. let's get them in here. What did some people think you were talking about? Here, hold on, I gotta open it up because we're not. If, I, if I Google IBO, I see the International Baccalaureate Organization, the International Bow Hunting Organization. The International Boxing Organization. Somebody brought the, somebody 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 said the bow hunting. They must have wikied it too. International Biology Olympiad. Independent Budget Office. Someone said that. Someone said the butt crack. Someone said something about butt crack. Irish Business Organization. Uh, let's see. So, let me ask you a question. How do you think Harry's relationship with Snape is changing in these chapters, if at all? I think compared to the bagel that is Lucy, Snape is looking pretty good, but that's not a good barometer. So, do you think there's been any actual improvements other than uh, the fact that he looks better compared to Lucius? Snape, at this point, is having these random bursts of civility. But that's it. In some of the, bur- at some levels, he's actually like losing his mind and becoming more civil. Like he's, like Harry is pointing out, you're making a tactical error. He's like Gran from. Um- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, uh, my status, my status on Facebook said IBO is sucking away my critical conscience and ability to review rationally. Someone, please help me. Otherwise, there will need to be a thingy before this airs. And, uh, you know, Keza told me to stay strong, and I told her not to abandon me, and she said that Ryan and P.S. will be here, and things will be okay, and she patted me. And then my friend Jill popped in, and she's like, International Bow Hunting Association? <laughs> and then Sue comes on, she'll be like, oh, I'll be here next week, it's going to be fine. And she hugged me because she's Hufflepuff. And then my friend Jessica came on, she said, I have no idea what the heck any of this means, but International Butt Crack Association, or organization, is coming up with me, and I'm all for no butt crack. 
And then Jill came back. You completely outed yourself, by the way, to your non-puffle friends. <laughs> I know. I do it on. I mean, I, I do it. On, and then Jill came back, and she's like, "I had a patient whose husband's pants were so low and shirt was so high that she saw seventy-five percent of his butt crack all night long." And that's funny because she's a pediatric nurse, and that was just nasty. And then Jessica came back and said they talk about butt crack in their family a lot. Nice <laughs> uh. derailment. Mike, does that answer your question? Oh, you know, what I was going to say, what I thought was interesting is, is in these chapters, I think Snape's, the move from Snape is he's becoming possessive of Harry. And I think he's, he's becoming nicer to Harry, but it's all... Or like protective of Harry, but it's all in reaction. Like there's that line somewhere where he's like, you know, how dare Lucius Malfoy and Dumbledore interfere with him? He's mine. He's not theirs. They can't. So I don't think he's he's at or close to the stage where he's sort of appreciating or loving Harry for himself. But I think he's starting to. It's almost like a. Pro, he's almost treating like Harry like a piece of property of his that's his to protect, which I think is. An advancement, but it's, I mean, it's not good, but it's, it is a step forward from where he was, you know, previously with the abusive snake. I don't see any real change, really. I mean, he's less abusive, and he's, I guess, better than Lucy, you know, at being an adult in Harry's life, but I'm hoping in the next batch of chapters we'll see, because last week I was led to believe there would be changes in the story and Harry would be exploring what it means to be a Snape versus a Potter and what does that mean. In the that's not what I said to you. What I said is I think... I've you heavily implied that's what you were saying. I mean, I sat down this week to read that. I'm like, oh my god, he's trying his hair. I'm flipping the page. Are you still there, Ryan? I'm here. I, I actually, you, got, you guys sound like you got a little excited. Yeah. I got a little excited. Yeah. I said, I'll be curious to see if you think it's addressed. I think it's addressed. I'll be curious to see if you interpret it the same way I do, is what I meant. Oh, you and I having the same skills of interpretation. I'm not sure, man. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, what was I going to say? Um, you guys have more sympathy for Draco now? Or you think you might? No. Now, if that is his father, you have no more sympathy for Draco? No. I don't think he's like that to Draco. No, I think he. I think he clearly is because that's the whole implication is that he Harry he, Harry's being replacing Draco as his son in this. He misses Draco. That doesn't mean he treats Draco the same. I don't know. Weird, can I just say it was weird for a couple of the early chapters here because you now the plot point is that Harry wants to learn how to kill Bellatrix Lestrange, so he's using Lucius to learn you know the, these dark magic spells that he can use against Bellatrix. And for the first few chapters, it seems like he is coming to find positive qualities in Lucius, and it gets creepy to the point where even Snape has to remind him that Lucius is a bad, bad man. Mm-hmm. And there's even a line in there where he, where I think Lucius was supportive of Harry trying new, you know, spells to kill people faster and better than ever before. And at one point, he, I forget what the exact line is, but it's something along the, uh, the scope of, you know, he, he may be a st- he may be just a sadistic, you know, butcher, but he's not a half bad father. <laughs> I'm just trying to wrap my arms around the thought process. It's like, you know. My dad, Hitler, may have been a jerk, but he always <laughs> went to my hockey games. Like, what? <laughs> well, I think it's, that's significant. First of all, I don't think Harry's correct. I think he is. And I think Harry, if you ask him at the end of these chapters, would have a very different opinion oh, of yeah. Lucius as a, a father, even. But um, 
but I think because I think that's the whole point is that's one of Harry's weaknesses right now is that he's feeling vulnerable in the father area. I'm just but, glad that that didn't last. That, that we well, got over that pretty quickly. Well, that's, that's Harry- why I broke it like this because I, I didn't want to end with you guys thinking that's where it was going. Oh, well, Har- yeah. Well, Har- Harry's Harry's past treatment by his family has made him viciously codependent. And whatever attention he's going to get from 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 Lecky, he he's going to be unconsciously looking for some sort of parental love or or encouragement from an adult who's in that kind of power situation in his in his life. And you know he's even you know gone to the point now where it's like okay you can crucio me and i'm not going to say anything to you because i because i even though i'm going to use you as a means to an end so that i can boil bellatrix's blood i'm i'm still going to it, it's really still okay that that you can torture me i mean this because is i need some attention kids have that are from like bad homes turn to crime and gangs because yeah. I mean, yeah. when you are in a gang, you feel like you have a family, and you feel like there's people that care about you, even though they don't really care about you. They're just using you to do crimes. So yeah, I think it's like, all... it's like Harry is in a miniature gang. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, they they all need and each it's other. it's probably very similar to how Snape joined the Death Eaters. Yes, right. Snape too. So, I mean, yeah. I think it's a like father-like son moment. Oh, and on a slightly lighter note, because I actually have the quote um, you mentioned for the sideline, not just because of the whole thing about so what Revolution's mouth is for, or as the manager, but also because I find it funny that later on there's the line about how Harry's sort of zoning out in breakfast because all Lucius is talking about is Draco and his achievements, and he's like, uh, Malfoy's bragging about Draco's various accomplishments, half of which either he or his son had invented. Harry had no recollection of Draco ever begging the house cup for Slytherin, scoring the highest owls in the class, and on. And I just find it funny is that you get, oh, that's where Draco gets it from. Draco's always going on about my father this, my father that. And Lucius is always going on, Draco this, my son Draco that. Because I had a different take when I read the story the, the first time. I didn't take it that he was trying to be the bagel to Harry because Snape would see that and, and become enraged. And that was no, and I have, I have, I have, I was just about to say that, and I have a a passage pulled out just the so way I, I the, yeah, just just to see how close I am. The way what I thought was okay, he's going around saying you know with a great you know, child Draco is, and he's the first in his class, and all this stuff, which isn't true. I took it that he was incredibly disappointed in Draco. Draco also didn't come after him and avenge him when he was in Azkaban. Draco essentially wrote him off. When did infertility curse up? Yeah, Draco, like... Okay, he, like, sets Harry on fire for less than that in this story. Can you imagine, oh, that crazy kid and his curse? I I think the reason, I don't think Lucius is treating Harry like he treated Draco. I think he's replacing Draco with Harry, but I think he's not treating them the same way. Not quite the same way, but on the other hand, even when Harry's cursing him and he's cursing Harry back, he's going on about how proud he is of Harry. So And maybe he is, but also... This is why I don't think it's all quite just an, an act for Snape's benefit. Mm-hmm. In chapter 17, um, Lucia says, of course it's not fair. A relation of yours will be pleased to inform you I'm a right bastard. Lucius replied smoothly, tossing Harry's wand onto the bed. Be down to the parlor post-haste. It looks like he waggled his eyebrows. We'll have our run of the house today. 
Lucius swept from the doorway, and Harry found himself smiling. He collected his wand, run, running his eyes down its unfamiliar length. Snape had insisted upon transfiguring its appearance, lest Ru Lucius recognize it in lieu of Harry's face. Something morbid in Harry wondered just how this morning would have turned out had Lucius accioed his wand and discovered himself looking at Harry Potter's 11-inch phoenix feather and holly. And when I read that, I was like, does anybody really get the idea that he wasn't really, um, the whole overtone of that really wasn't about wands? I did not have that overtone when I read it, I have to say. I think that face value as an explanation to fill the plot hole of why doesn't Lucius recognize Harry's wand. That's well, that I is the plot hole, but it, I mean, it's just the overtones. There, there was definitely overtones. There's no way there's not overtones. Well, there are overtones, but I didn't read that particular one as an overtone, I admit, when I read it. But I, I honestly, I do really feel that Lucius is a total creepy guy, but the, the sexual molestation thing is an act, is, is really Oh, well, can I just say. have everyone right now do something for me? Can I get everyone to say bagel, bagels, bageled, and bageling? Just because we're going to have to do a lot of clipping. Together? Wait, is sexual molestation a word we can't say? Well, we don't like to because it's a downer. So we're going to say, everyone's going to say bagel, bagels, bagold, and bageling. P.S. You go first. Bagel, bagels, bagold, bageling. Are there any other variations we can think of? I think, oh. Bagelation. Bagelation, bagelation. Oh my god, Ryan, you're going Dalek. Can you please say bagelation in a Dalek voice? Bagelation. Not good. Bageling. Bagelation. Bagelation. Sleep it all in. Turn two, your turn. Uh, bagel, bagels, bagelation, bageling, bageled. Mike, Mike. Uh, bagels, bageling, um, what am I forgetting, Jen? Bagelation. Bagelation. Bagel, I don't bagel. think you said bagel. Bagel. Am I still a Dalek? Yes, please say it while you're a Dalek. Bagel. 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 Two bagel. Bagelation. Did I miss it? I just think it's hysterical. Bagelation. Bagelation. Clean up aisle five. Clean up aisle five. Dalek's in the supermarket. Price check. Price check. Bagelation. Price check. Four baby peas. If it's a Dalek, it has to be bagelate. By your command. Bagelate. 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 By your command. Bagelate. So what did you guys also think of how Snape learned, how Snape got the spiral and how he learned um, the reason why Voldemort trusts him so much? That whole explanation. <laughs> explanation. I'm sorry, but can you ask the question again? Okay. Explain. Explanation. <laughs> 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 why is that funny? <laughs> because it's just a Dalek word. It just—I just heard it in a Dalek voice, so I had to say it in a Dalek voice. Explanation. 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 Okay. <laughs> I think they even do that in like in one. You'll, I think you'll see soon. Explain. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. 
<laughs> By the way, also one last thing on the on the sleep the lusting Harry thing. If you notice too, whenever Snape's not there, Lucius's uh, interactions with Harry are defined as parental. When he's like, whenever he comes into contact or touches Harry, mm-hmm. and whenever Snape is there, it's this, it's defined. It's, it's mentioned. The words are uncomfortable or um, you know or some some similar word like uncomfortable or creepy or I don't know whatever word she uses. And the, you'll notice well, that if you well, that's you, because that's because psychologically, when someone else is in the room. It's uncomfortable, it's creepy, and it's skeevy. He, but Harry doesn't know. But when, Harry's still but, when some, but, but when somebody, when someone is being abused by someone who's in a power position, it is parental. But Harry doesn't know that Snape's looking. Only Lucius notices Snape, but Harry doesn't. Harry's still, like, fooling with the ducks, whatever it was he was doing. I know. Uh, don't go. Harry is, Harry's Harry. not fooling with the ducks. Harry is gonna Harry is gonna behave like it's a parental touch. I'm, I'm not gonna go there. Okay, I'm not gonna go there. I have I have predisposed I have predisposed ideas about this because of my own life experiences and and and, and I won't change my attitude okay. but so <sighs> Okay. So what, so what, but the, the Snape, what did you think in terms of the explanation for how he became, why he became a spy, how he became a spy, how he fools Voldemort, that whole thing. That whole, that worked for me. Isn't that what they did in the canon? Not exactly. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing with him having known Aquamancy before, and Voldemort trusts him because uh, because he Voldemort thinks he taught Snape Aquamancy and saw what Snape really thought before yeah, that, Snape that, 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 was, that was original. I, the, the part about playing all sides against the middle was... It was original for when she wrote it, though. In all honesty, right? Yeah, and the, and the motivation with Dumbledore feeling pity for him was kind of original too. Uh, what else do we have? Gen uh, <laughs> two, did you want to read some of your notes here? Um, sure. Okay. The ones that I haven't already done. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Hmm. Ah, ah, back in chapter, chapter, um, 15. Mm-hmm. This is too, this is too good not to mention. Mm-hmm. Draco gave his daddy the snip to ensure his legacy. Isn't that cute? How Let's sweet that was. He gave daddy the snip to ensure his legacy. Oh, <laughs> you said the snitch. So oh, the snip. He gave it, he, he used a, he used a spell, but he gave him the snip, and, and, and Lucius seemed so proud of that, and wasn't that just cute? Well, that's like, you, you can't kill him, because then you won't have an heir. Yeah, isn't that just the smartest thing? Oh, kids. Kids these days. Oh, kids. Lucius wakes up, Drago's giving him a vasectomy. Yeah. Oh, can I point to the part where Lucius has a small penis. <laughs> I, think, I think you just broke Mike. I, just I know how else to put it. Yes, he does, apparently. Well, here's, and here's the thing, let's see. Someone's overcompensating. Yeah, in chapter 18, Dumbles, he knows that Luscious is a bagel because this is what he says. This is what he says to, to Snape. He says, you're certain it's so straightforward, Dumbledore asked, still troubled. Snape understood the implication. It hadn't occurred to him that Luscious might be have a sordid interest in the boy. That's why Snape is an idiot. I'm certain, he stated confidently. He knew Luscious. 
The man enjoyed a pure-blooded woman, not boys his son's age. Uh, I mean, just... It's like, yikes, all the touching. There's good touch and bad touch, and someone please teach Harry the difference before I have heart Before failure. he turns 17. <laughs> uh, for that matter, when he's with Dumbledore, too, he found Dumbledore does know about, in fact, know about Harry's home life. Um, yeah. At least in the Hogwarts. And we also see uh, Snape have a little breakdown with Dumbledore. <laughs> Or you know, what he, he's like, he's like, oh, poor little Snivellus couldn't. What, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it's something like that, where he's like really insulting. And some of those like, get a grip, Snape, and pull yourself together. Yeah, and then there's the whole section in chapter 19 where Snape has the brilliant idea to get Harry out of the house to, and away from from Lucky. So they're gonna go and they're gonna pick nightshade blooms. Because it's only once a year that they can do this, and so so Luscious just decides to turn Harry into a puke fist. Mm-hmm. So he so puts something in his Captain Crunch that morning. Harry yeah, gets then, over the he, count. Yeah, and then he hangs Snape over a barrel, and you know it's like, well, you can only pick it once a year. So I think it's, I think it's also sorry, gone. You're gonna have to leave. Either leave him here, or you don't get it. So, you know, he, he, he obviously knows that something's going on with Septimus. So, so he's got the, he, he's working at trying to figure out what's going on because he, he is Lucius and he is smart sometimes, even though he is mostly stupid. But he makes him into this puke fountain and then he's so blase about it and then he freaking crucios him. And then Harry asked him for a second to gather himself, and then that made me just want to shoot him. Lucius, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and you see, the interesting thing, too, I don't, tell me if you read this into what Snape was doing. I thought one of the, the problems Snape keeps bumping into in this whole dynamic is he, he's, he can't show Lucius that he really cares about Harry because then Lucius will use Harry as a get a handle on him. So the whole thing, is, it's, it's not just that he has to pick the, this one day, it's that he can't make it seem like concern for the kid is oh, more important you. than his potion ingredient, so he has no choice. Well, I'm there the fact, with you. Yeah. I mean, does, there Lucius, are... does Lucius ever consider the fact that maybe, uh, what, what was Harry's name? In this? Septimius. Septimus. Septimus. You thought his name was Septimius? I remember, I, I'm, I'm just remembering as best I can. Whatever Did he ever consider that Septimus was Snape's son? Yeah. I, I think I assumed suspension, that's what he assumed. What I think happens... He never said it. He said it, though. I assume that's what he assumed, though. I mean... You assume that was his assumption. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I would have assumed if I were in Lucy's position. How I read it, and you guys disagree with me again if you don't think I'm right, I think he starts to get suspicious when the Imperius curse doesn't work on him, because then he's, that, that's what that line is about, oh, I didn't realize all Snapes had, the you know, such superior modern problems, obviously. Yeah, but that's that, how, I but think, I think Harry misleads him, because right, the, the, the end idea is that Harry's mother, he, Harry manages to convince him at the end by, you know, breaking down in tears that, his mother had an affair with the Muggleborn, so clearly Snape can't really be his father. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lucius has 
if we assume Lucius really did buy that, I think at this point at least Lucius did, then he has to drop the idea that, which I think he had some suspicions of, that maybe Snape's his father, because clearly that's not the case. Right. Clearly his, his father's a mother-born whose wife, his mother had a... Well, that was clear about the way we're reading this here, is Mike read things into it that we, that at least I didn't, that maybe Gen 2 and I didn't as well. It's written in such a way that you can pull different things from it, and it's not hitting you in the face with everything. There are some things that are dropped in there that we're interpreting differently, which I think is actually like a cool way of writing it. It's not like yeah. everything has to be handed down to you. Well, see, because I pulled out another thing in Chapter 20. I pulled out a section that says, although, and this is from Snape's point of view, although he was certain Lucius was not, in fact, engaging in sordid activities with his son, it bothered him that he'd encountered the boy leaving Mount. Malfoy's room at night, there was something going on right in front of him, and he couldn't figure out just what. It enraged him that Lucius was flaunting Severus's ignorance before him without enlightening him as to what he was ignorant about. And I think the line right after, I think, is the the line about how Harry belongs to him, not to Dumbledore, not to Lucius. Right. Um, uh, You know, I think there are a lot of dark things in this fic, and and everybody's going to fixate on one or the, I mean, not everybody, but most people are going to fixate on one or other, and that's what they're going to take away from it. And I just happened to dial in on that skeevy perv stuff, and, and it's hard to see past the skeevy perv and, and not see Harry as a battered wife. Well, that's exactly it. It's like Harry's getting it from so many different angles in this one. Your father isn't your father. By the way, your real father beats you and almost chokes you to death. But don't worry, the child molester's coming over to hang out for the day. So technically, he's your only <laughs> hope. It's just, it's just, it's yeah. really sad. And, and, and then you have to deal with the emotional abuse of, you know, of having to have the, the internal guilt going on because you've, you've murdered yeah. Minky. You murdered Minky, but but Daddy thinks that's okay to let you to let you wallow in your own your own pain for doing yes, that. Yes, Dave tells him six chapters later. Once it's like Harry can take it, even though even though he knows that that you're killing yourself inside because you've done something so horrible, you know he, he's just gonna let you play that. He's gonna let you play the game, you know, because eh, you'll get over it. You know, yeah. kids don't. Kids like Harry, I mean, there are kids that, that are abused and they, and they go bad, you know, but the, you almost get to a certain point with kids from, who go through, who go through hell when they're, and when they're little children and, and they just don't get sadistic like that. They, they don't go and blow up house elves or ducks or whatever because they can't, you know, I mean, they just, so they just—it's like they dissociate—they dissociate from—they dissociate from from anything that's traumatic. I mean, Harry is like—he is the definition of a post-traumatic stress disorder. Well, I think there's two different ways Harry could go. He could either sleep in the closet, pretending he's back in his cupboard, or he could be the kid with the magnifying glass, the leaf, and the ants, and just be burning them alive. So I think Harry inverts himself rather than strikes out. Yeah, I think, yeah, Harry, he's already damaged enough, but then it's like this fic just takes the damage and compounds it and compounds it and compounds it and compounds it. And then where's the breaking point? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I'm glad it ended when it did, and I can understand that some people had some difficulty with these chapters. I, I, it needed to end in a... Like, you just wanted someone to kill Lucy. You don't care if it's Snape, you don't care if it's Harry, you don't care if Draco stops by and does it. You just want someone to kill him, because you need to move on with the story. How many different times can I read that, you know, Malfoy heaved everybody out and Snape just glared and and, and <laughs> sneered. It's uh, something. Can I just point out that the random chapter breaks you had had it had the second podcast ending like right after he kills Winky or something. Winky, whatever her name is. Uh, and like that was it. And I was and that's why I, I think I had you have to end this podcast section at least. Yeah, you can't do it here. I mean, it's 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 it, it's just too dark otherwise. And that's coming from me, which is bizarre, but. Okay, toward the end of my, I have a few more things and my notes are done. Mm-hmm. This is going to be my very first, I think, official request as a host. Mm-hmm. I need, somebody's got to draw this, make this, manipulate this, but this is, I need this for this podcast once it goes up. There was a line in chapter 23. Only Lucius Malfoy could project an air of haughtiness as he lay on the ground, trussed up like a prize turkey. You want to see oh, that? indeed. I need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. I want Sitting to see it. For these chapters with Lucius, that we haven't seen the end of him. I will say that. No. Oh, no. And, then the, and the last thing that I thought was, was just fabulous mm-hmm. is that Snape got to flip through Luscious's mind, mm. and and he got to see that Narbitcha was on the down low. <laughs> <laughs> he that looked was... through his most embarrassing memories just because he could. Yeah, <laughs> Narbitcha. Nar- uh, I don't feel much sympathy for Lucius. No, he, that means he's probably he's probably impotent. Well, he <laughs> no, I it, it's because Draco tied him off. Yeah, he's a little too close there. Yeah. Yeah. He woke up as he was getting a bit sucked me. Draco got scared. It's it's it scared his testes back up into his body. Oh god, get Keza in here. They didn't drop. That's like and you can now use that as an expression. It's like it's scared it's all scaringly up. I don't know what that was. All right, so I think we're uh, nearing the end here. Well, I had a few more note things I wanted to ask you about. Mike's got 25 minutes. Go, Mike. No, I still have um, a few things left in my notes. Okay. Um, I fall asleep near the end of them, so... so. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I was curious, what did you think of the entire... the whole? We didn't really touch on Severus's whole plan to catch Lucius. And also, what did you think? I, I thought it was really interesting how she deals with the... Um, how the Death Eaters interact with each other in terms of, like, um, their relative positions, like this whole thing that, you know, Lucius is, the reason Lucius is being so abrasive to Snape is he's trying to, like, assert his authority because he doesn't want Snape to realize that really he no longer has a position because he's lost all of his, um, you know, his connections and wealth and this sort of, like, all this, like, maneuvering to get Voldemort to torture each other. And, I was, and the whole plan to get Lucius to, to throw, like, what do you think of all that? Well, I thought the plan to try and one-up Lucius by basically say- I thought he was going to go like full steam ahead and have some people from the Order stop by and pretend it was a ministry raid because someone did an unforgivable curse in the house and that would piss off Voldemort. And- he should have. That is a pretty damn good plan there, right? Well, then, unfortunately, that would have actually been the end of, of Lucius and, and Snape. As a unfortunately. 
Well, that would have been the end of Snape as a spy, and, and we we somewhat knew him. But I, no, oh. I thought the, I thought the whole thing was well done, and it does a really good job of showing the fact that Snape is so focused on Harry and what Harry can be used as a pawn for. That I, I think it just it does a really good job of showing how crappy of a father he is. Yeah, yeah me too. I think I think those those things to me were kind of. Maybe not secondary, but they seem they they seem they seem normal. I mean, they were normal things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. That's obviously not the, that the main point. That's why we haven't talked about it till now. I was just curious. Um, I, I guess, well, and also, what you thought of the whole Harry trying the bloodletting curse and letting it off, Lucius? And did you find that believable that he lifted it off him? Or did he pass out? No, no. First, Lucius starts oh, to off I'm doing close my fingers, so Harry lifts the curse off him, and then that's what triggers the reversal. Because if he'd been a muggle boy, it would have reversed right away. Because he's a half-blood, it only reverses when he lifts it. I think it made sense that Harry couldn't become a killer. and Harry, it, it definitely shows the fact that Harry can't be a sadistic person, and he can't take joy from that, and he can't, he can't do it. I mean, even though it's Lucius Malfoy, he has to let him go. He just can't do it. And did you buy- did you buy I agree. For that I mean, and it's, it's actually like it makes more sense than in canon because when in canon Carrie um did the Cruciatus on what's his face? Bellatrix. Mm-hmm. No, no, he couldn't do it on Bellatrix. It's um Caro. Yeah, Amicus Caro, and he couldn't. I mean, he he did it on. Caro, and I think I know a lot of people were upset about that because they're like, "Oh, Harry, Harry can't do that." That's the whole point, and I think I think that is the whole point. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, I think it was done well here. Yeah, because in canon, he, I mean, he was that upset because McGonagall got spit on. I mean, come on. I mean, that's not. I think yeah, was, that I wasn't. Think, yeah, I think it was done. Much, I got like that one. I have to admit, like, I was kind of, I kind of thought that line was cool. Where he like defends McGonagall's honor. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's he can't he can't take down the the woman who just killed his only family, but he can defend the honor of McGonagall being spit on. I thought it was a little too much. Um, so just a couple of things else I wanted to ask you. Um, <laughs> so one point I thought was very interesting. I kind of touched on it briefly, but I think, and I'd be curious if you agreed with Harry because one of the the last lines of the chapters we read is. Um, Snakes, Crucios, and tortures Ma- Ma- uh, Malfoy. Sorry. Oh, he was not pretending to be a servant of the Dark Lord. He was not merely a spy. This is Snape. The man had joined the Death Eaters because he was a creature capable of the same blackness as the rest of them, who embraced the same evil as the yeah. rest. Yeah, he's, not, the, yeah, yeah. he's, not, he's nothing like Snape. He can't torture Malfoy. He, can't ki- he doesn't want to kill a duck, whereas Snape honestly was Death Eater material. He has no problem killing Lucius Malfoy in the backyard and burying him under a large ficus plant. I mean... Which he probably should have. Yeah. I mean, that would have, that would have been easy. You know, he could have put a little tombstone, here, so, here lies Lucy. Mm-hmm. You know, Lucy had the thing, you know, for Harry. It used, Harry to, it used to be one of those rhyming tombstones. Yeah. Here lies Lucy. Here lies a very sad man. I don't know. They could do something with that. I can't do a rhyme. Oh, it's but sad. Well, it's sad. I don't know. So, my, so finally, where do you think? I don't know if you looked at the name of the next chapter, but it's titled "Back at Hogwarts." Mm-hmm. So clearly, um, we know Harry's going back at Hogwarts, and I'm just curious what what you're projecting forward now, expecting to happen. I don't know. I think Harry will definitely feel closer to Snape than he was before. Granted, that's awkward because <laughs> Snape was like the most abusive father ever for 
long stretches of the trip. Um, I don't think it'll be anything like a year like none other where Harry was very pro Snape and had to get everyone else on that bandwagon. I think, (laughs) you know, will like, you know, I'm hopefully they'll put the glamour back on, you know, will he tell Ron and Hermione? I don't know. No, he doesn't tell them things that are very important. So I would assume he wouldn't. Um, I think it'd be, I think it'll be focused on Snape and, and Harry and possibly Draco into it, but. I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, I'll read it. I mean, I've got this far. I'm going to keep going. I mean, what else could shock me? Yeah. <laughs> Any predictions with um, Lucius in terms of what his role in the story is? He this comes context? back for revenge. With Viagra. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer not to think about him. Yeah, let's not do that anymore. All right. All right I think we're crashing here, guys. <laughs> We started late tonight. So with that, uh, we will see you all back for next week. Mike, what chapters are we doing next week? Oh, I don't remember where we stopped. 25 to something. I don't remember off the top of my head what it is. 25 to something. Let's check the schedule. 35 maybe? I don't know. Let's check the schedule. In the staff room. In the schedule. Next week. Scrolling down. Is 25 to 34. Oh, there you go. All right, so episode ninety-nine. We are really close, kids. T-minus two weeks until the big one zero zero. Wow. We have done way too many of these. I know. (laughs) Oh my god! All right, so with that, have a good night, everyone. We'll see you back next week. Good night. Good night. Bye. To the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. This is Loswin. I wanted to say thank you for everything that you've done in this really hard time and all of your support for the plant and the flowers and all of the messages and just all the love and support y'all have given me through this really, really difficult time. I mean, I'm in around the forums lately. I've been a basket case, so I want to just apologize to everyone for being absent, especially my bosses, Oliver's gal and Scarlett and Richard. Thank y'all for being so understanding. I love y'all. Even though I'm not around much anymore, I still think of y'all. I still listen to everything. So just thank you and I love you guys. Good night. My first thought was apparently it's placed high on a hill. And I was thinking, I don't remember Godric's Hollow being on a hill. <laughs> uh, you're slightly mixed up. But it's not at Godric's Hollow. What the F series it is? Yeah, right. in the F series it is. But they think it was. Well, let's wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's, let's. The peons are coming. Welcome to Peon Cast. I'm Sue. I'm Kayla. I'm Kelly. I'm Scott. And today we thought we'd do something a little bit different, and we are going to actually do J.K. Rowling's The Tales of Beetle the Bard, and we are going to do The Fountain of Fair Fortune. That's how we started out. Unfortunately, we still had Kayla's Bistro, and her family decided to, well, 
you'll see. Yeah, I've got too much noise going on. <laughs> it's a blender. We started all over again after the blender was finished. Welcome to Peoncast The Next Generation. I'm Sue. I'm Kayla. I'm Kelly. And I'm Scott. Today we are going to be going over something a little bit different than usual because we're actually going into J.K. Rowling's writing and doing one of the stories from The Tales of Beetle the Bard. Yes. We are going to cover The Fountain of Fair Fortune, which was mentioned last time in the last installment of the F-series called Fortune. And it was mentioned about the Fountain of Fair Fortune that may have been part of the Potter Rose Garden. This is a really short story. It's about 14 pages long in the book. That's in the U.S. In the book. Right. This one is, because I have the U.K. version. Let's see. Yeah, it's still the same. 14 pages. And then Albus Dumbledore's commentary is a few more pages after that. The illustrations in here are all Joe's, which is kind of cool. And what the fountain is, basically... It's a fountain that once a year between the hours of sunrise and sunset on the longest day, a single unfortunate was given the chance to fight their way to the fountain, bathe in its waters, and receive fair fortune forever. It's set in sort of a mythical kingdom. We don't know where it is, which fits in with the style of being a fairy tale. It's just the kingdom, and hundreds of people are coming from all around to gather around this hill that the fountain and its attendant garden are on. On Midsummer's Day. They gather. Three witches kind of come together with their tales of woe. The first is Asha, who is sick with a malady that no healer can cure, and she's hoping that she will be cured and will live a long and happy life. The second is Althea, who has been robbed of her home, her gold, and her wand by an evil sorcerer, and she would like to relieve her powerlessness and her poverty. And the third is Amata, who has been deserted by the man whom she loved dearly, and she thinks that her heart will never mend, and she's hoping that the fountain will relieve her of her grief and longing. And the three are together, and they make a pact that they're going to try to get all three of them in to try to reach this and see what happens. So if one of them is drawn in, then the other two will be drawn in with her. Right. The sun rises, and the whole crowd rushes the walls, of the garden that the fountain is in and the garden essentially grabs Asha and she in turn grabs the other two. But the third one actually brings in another, brings in a knight who is dismal. <laughs> He's a muggle by the name of Sir Luckless, which is, it's a fairy tale-ish name, but it kind of tells you how he's going on with things. Something I found interesting about this early part the way that the walls open and the vines come out and grab her are very similar to the way they made the maze in the movie of Goblin Fire. Yes. Which wasn't the way it was in the actual book, but... Well, it also reminded me of the Devil's Snare. I think the Devil's Snare is actually what we saw in Goblet, because it attacked Cedric on the path as well. Mm, that could be. And all four of them end up in the garden. They weren't supposed to bring the fourth one along, but they did anyway. Mostly um, because she got caught up on his armor. Right. And he doesn't have any magic. He's non-magical, but he was there anyway. Reminds me of another knight we know. Sir Cadogan. <laughs> yeah, but Sir Luckless uh, isn't as 
posturing and loud as Circadogan is. <laughs> right. So they're all four going to go and try to get to the fountain. So they start out. They have the foot of the hill where the fountain is. And there's a worm. And it's blocking their way. And it says, pay me the proof of your pain. And Well, but first. Oh, did I miss one? Sir Luckless looks at the three witches and he thinks to himself, there's no way I'll ever make it. So I'm going to just go ahead and climb back over the wall because there's just no way. And Amada gets really angry and says, you know, you're a coward and you need to come and help. Yeah, she chides them and calls him faint of heart and tells him that he needs to draw his sword and, and help them go. And so he kind of leads the way. Mm-hmm. When I was reading this, it said, pay me the proof of your pain. And tears are always the proof of pain. And so, you know, they did all this stuff. They tried to enchant the worm and everything, and they tried to kill the beast. And one of them began to weep. Usha. And that was the payment of the proof. If you look at this, it's almost like you're trying too hard. This entire story is sort of built around the motif of riddles, and there's threes. Everything comes in threes, except for Mm -hmm. the extra guy. But You're right. They're overthinking it. Think of the simplest thing. This is the basic emotion. Grief. This is your pain. So they get past the worm. And they get about halfway halfway up the hill. Yeah. (laughs) See, we Uh, share brains. Yeah. I feel like I do that a lot. Yeah. We pass it back and forth. If I only had a brain... So they get about halfway up and they come upon the words that say, pay me the fruits of your labors. And once again... Now this one, you can see why they would make the mistake on that, because it's more of a metaphor. Yes. It's obvious when it comes to it, but you wouldn't think of that first. So what happens is the knight gets out his only coin that he's ever made in whatever it is he does, doing tournaments or whatever, and tries to put that down but they're on a hill and it just rolls off and nothing happens. Yeah. And so they decide to keep on walking, but as they're walking for a few more hours, they find that they're not advancing their step at all. And the description still waiting. So they're getting pretty discouraged and they're trying to walk faster and faster, but nothing's coming of it. And Althea is, it really encouraged them. Come on, let's go. Keep going. Courage, friends, and do not yield, she cries. And I'm pretty sure that she's a Hufflepuff. I really am. (laughs) (laughs) She could well be. And as she starts to walk faster and encourage them, she begins to sweat. And when she sweats and it drips on the ground, that's when... The inscription vanishes. Which is, again, basic. Right. You're overthinking it. The fruits of your labor are not money. It's Mm -hmm. your work. Right. It's giving of yourself and working. So that's the second. We would expect it to be something like if one of them was a weaver and they happened to be carrying a bolt of cloth or something, that would work. But um, yeah, even that is a little bit further on. Well, that would be the, that's the same thing. I just wanted to say the trials that they seem to be going through here remind me a lot of what like Harry had to do in the Sorcerer's Stone. And then again, like in Goblet of Fire, like a tricky one where he had to simplify his thinking with the snake, you know, hope. Ocean, yeah, the links in Goblet of Fire and stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Sphinx with the... Sphinx, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, okay. it was close. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so, cat. Yeah, that made, that made sense. Okay, so delighted by getting past the second obstacle, they start turning towards the summit as fast as they can until they get a glimpse of the fountain. And it's, the description is that it's like a crystal in a bower of flowers and trees. 
But however, before they could reach it... There's a stream uh, going around the top of the hill, just between them, and I'm sort of envisioning this little mound where the fountain is. <laughs> it's and a there's moat. there's a rock. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Basically, it's a moat, yeah. It's a really clear moat, apparently, because you can see through it, and there's this rock that has the third inscription on it. And it says, Amy, the treasure of your past. And so Sir Luckless attempted to float across the stream with the shield, but it sank. Which you would expect uh, to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed something, though? I'm jumping in. Sir Luckless has broken his sword. Yep. Look what he's lost. He's broken his sword. He's given his only coin. Yep. And he's lost his shield. And he lost his horse outside the gates or outside the walls. Yeah, from wanting to go back and not go through it at all, he's been really trying with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, Kayla took over with the description of the third task. I'm sure she was very eloquent, but as you can probably tell, Kayla has been speaking to us from Mars for most of this podcast, as her actual file didn't make it to us. In this particular section, no one could understand the bits that were left, so unfortunately we had to cut them out. Instead, I'll leave you with that portion of the song based on this story, which I'll bring up later in the podcast. But for now, enjoy. Here I go. He's sinking. Quick, pull him out. Gotcha. (coughs) Thanks. We've got to get across now. Our chances will be lost once the sun sets. And if we do not make it, I'll never be able to forget. Amada? I know what to do. I'll remember. I'll remember. Even though I don't want to, I'll remember. All the good times I had with you. Tried to block you out of my mind. But I knew that in time I'd remember. Be forced to remember I remember The touch of your hand The sound of your voice Your lips on my lips Memories taking over me Be gone, memories be gone I'll pass you into the stream Pay the treasures of my past And maybe I'll finally be free Of the memories that plague me Break me And once again, this is structured quite well. It's like a lot of other fairy tales. There are the three challenges, and each time a different one of them is the one to solve it. Right. Uh, Asha's yeah. tears is the first one, and Altheda's sweat, and then Amada's memories. And also they're quite suited to what they bring to try and get to the fountain, because Asha has a lot of sorrow because she's about to die and would really like to have the rest of her life. And Amada giving away her memories just then turns out to be exactly what she needed from the fountain. Mm-hmm to give herself distance. And, um, and then we have Alfeda was the one who her riches were taken from her, the fruits of her labor. Right. Mm-hmm. So that was a, I'm giving all I have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And each of these is all I have left. All I have left is tears. All I have left is myself. All I have left are my memories. So that's, you know, this is all they have. So they're able to get to the fountain. 
But before they can decide who gets to go in, Asha collapses. Yeah, she's near to death from all of the exertions that she's been doing, and so they decided that they're going to take her to the fountain because she's obviously the most needy. And she cries out and says, "No, don't touch me! I'm in so much pain. Just don't." So Athena starts picking herbs and mixes them together and gives them to her, and she jumps right up, completely healed, and she's like. I don't need the fountain anymore. You do it. But Altheta has just discovered this entire garden is full of a lot of rare magical herbs that she just made this potion out of. And if she can cure something that was supposedly incurable, she can make all sorts of things and make all the money she needs. She must be related to Neville. I was thinking Sue, actually. (laughs) (laughs) That too. (laughs) She's a Hufflepuff. (laughs) (laughs) So she hands it on to Amada, only she has already given her memories to the stream, and it's hard to tell. We never really found out with pensives whether if you put them in, you don't remember them all anymore. The most common interpretation I've read in things is it just seems a lot more distant, like it didn't happen exactly to you. Mm-hmm. At any rate, she doesn't have the sorrow well, that whole time heals for wounds. this lost lover of hers. Right. And this is one little difference between the story and the song that has been made out of this particular story is in here, the memories are gone and she realizes that basically this guy was a jerk and she's just as happy to be rid of him. Whereas in the song, it's that now she's just sad because she still loves him and he's gone, but she can move on anyway. Yeah. So they tell the knight... As a reward for your chivalry, you must bathe. So he goes and he bathes in the Fountain of Fair Fortune as the sun sets. Yep. Which is a lovely picture. It is. Because they only have the day from sunrise to sunset. If You have to do this before the sun sets, which is why they've been trying to do this all day long. And it's been an all-day process. And so he emerges from the fountain and... His armor's all rusted. Yes. The knight in the rusty armor. Because he wore his armor into the fountain. Yeah, well, you know... (laughs) I guess he was in a hurry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he is in love with Amada. Yes. And begs for her hand. And she agrees. And it turns out that she quite likes the look of him as well, because having gone through all this with him, she's seen his character, basically. Yeah. Another thing that I find neat is, I don't know what the names Altheta or Asha would mean or be related to, but Amada is very close to a lot of languages and the word for love. And that's what she has lost and what she's found by the end of the story. Right. So. Yeah, amore. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. <laughs> when the world seems to shine like you've had too much That'd wine, be the tank. like a big pizza pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's even an English word, sort of an old English word for a couple is amorata. Yeah. So. Or amorous is a word. It's an adjective. I really like the sketch of the fountain. On the sketch that JK did of the fountain, it's a snake. It's a winged serpent, and there's four basins. I thought it looked like a dragon. No, it doesn't have any legs. There's no legs. Yeah, but it does have a dragon tail. Mm-hmm. Right. It's got the scaly back thing, or it's got little... um. Fins? Spines. If you look really closely, they're in the middle. Okay. I'm not sure. I mean, it it looks like a winged serpent to me. 
It's reptilian anyway. Yeah. And the basins on it have symbols. The top one has the sun and moon. The second one is an omega. And then we have an all-seeing eye. And then at the bottom is the symbol for the Deathly Hallows. It just kind of really jumped out at you. Mm-hmm. It's got smaller writings kind of along the rim of each of the... Yeah, there's some of those are planetary signs. Okay. You can see Saturn and there's Mercury and Jupiter and Mars are the ones that are in bold on the basin. I'm sorry to say that my kittens are not interested in the book at all. They're actually chewing on it oh, at the moment. No. Oh, dear. No chewing on the books. So I thought this was interesting. I'm reading the... the commentary? The, yeah, the commentary by Dumbledore. And in a nutshell, apparently they used to perform this play at Hogwarts. And Lucius Malfoy mm-hmm. tried to get the book banned from Hogwarts. Because it showed interbreeding between wizards and muggles because the knight had no magic. And so I thought that was very interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have some uh, amusing letter exchanges. Yes, they did. Which um, (laughs) they're not very fond of each other, you can tell. No. Well, especially since he... Let's see. This exchange marked the beginning of Mr. Malfoy's long campaign to have me removed from my post as headmaster of Hogwarts and of mine to have him removed from his position as Lord Voldemort's favorite, capital F. Death Eater. <laughs> <laughs> all in all, I, I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. The footnote from Dumbledore's letter, in which he was kind of inflammatory, so you can see some of it, but it says, My response prompted several further letters from Mr. Malfoy, but as they consisted mainly of opprobrious remarks on my sanity, parentage, and hygiene, their relevance to this commentary is remote. <laughs> <laughs> So really, the moral of this story is not to try to obtain a goal all by yourself. You have to work together. Mm -hmm. Because if either of those four had gone in on their own, I don't think they would have made it past all three. Right. And the one thing that we didn't mention is the last line of the story, which is that they all went on to lead long and happy lives, and none of them ever knew or suspected that the fountain's water carried no enchantments at all. So... Basically, what you find out is that... Everything they made for themselves was inside themselves already. Yeah. Right. Kind of like Harry Potter. The only thing they actually brought from that was that they got into the garden and could pick the plants and things in the garden. You have to wonder, the most magical part of it isn't the fountain. Mm -hmm. It's the garden itself. You have to look at the garden and think, for every person that enters the garden, what is the battle? Is it different for every group? Is it different for every person? We don't know, because they were very much built for those four people, as it turned out. (laughs) (laughs) I can think. (laughs) You make people think. I make people think. Now I make people roll their eyes and run away, too. Um. (laughs) And the description of the garden was just really wonderful, too. The F stories really embellished more than what we got here, but still, there was really great descriptions of the different parts of the gardens and the herbs and everything. So you decided that Alfeda was a Hufflepuff. I did. And I think that Sir Luckless was probably a Gryffindor. If he had been magical, he would have been a Gryffindor. Yes. So the other two... What about Amada and Asha? I don't think any of them have the tendencies for Slytherin. No, I don't see them as being Slytherin at all. All in all, it was a very, it's short, obviously, 14 pages. Yeah. And it's a morality play more than anything. I like the part with one little note at the bottom. It's a very deep and 
in order to find them for a definite description of this curious beast. It ought never be voluntarily induced in a wood paneled room nor have an encouragement charm placed on it. An Ashwinder. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the it- students decided to use that as the worm in the story. And- <laughs> no, it was the charismatical creatures teacher, actually. Yeah. Let's use a dragon. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Kettleburn. Kettleburn is not terribly prudent. No. Uh, we wonder why he wanted to go and spend time with his remaining limbs. <laughs> this is why Hagrid got the position. I thought it was interesting that we're looking at the footnotes again. As Professor Kettleborn survived no fewer than 62 periods of probation during his employment as care of magical creatures. <laughs> his relations with my predecessor at Hogwarts, Professor Dippet, were always strained. Professor Dippet considered him to be somewhat reckless. Hmm, no, really. I became headmaster, however. Professor Kettleburn had mellowed considerably, although there were always those who took the cynical view that, with only one and a half of his original limbs remaining to him, he was forced to take life at a quieter pace. (laughs) (laughs) Gee. Oh, dear. I like this. This was very cute. It was. It's a great story. And, you know, it's a really... It's good to read things like this and just really think about the different meanings and that it is what comes from inside of us that is what's going to further not the magic of the fountain, but what we actually have inside of us. It's just a matter of digging down and finding it. Right. Yeah. It's one of the major themes from the entire Harry Potter series. You have to depend on yourself, but you don't have to just depend on yourself, but you have to find the wherewithal within yourself and have the support of your friends and your patriots mm-hmm. to reach the conclusion of your quest. Right. Mm-hmm. It's crazy looking at the Speed of Labard book and just knowing that she hand wrote and drew all these little details and pictures. Like, wasn't, didn't she make like seven copies or something? Uh, she made six mm-hmm. copies. Yeah, the sixth one ended up being bought by um, the Amazon book company and then they negotiated being able to print these. Right. Right. It's quite neat, though, because all the drawings fit the style of the story very well. Like, the one picture in there of the four of them looks like an old-fashioned woodcut, basically. The sort of thing you would find in this sort of book. And how they've got all of them differentiated because they all wear different colors of clothing and things like that. Did you notice, now that I've said that none of them have the tendency to be Slytherin, did you notice that the shield... On the first page was of a snake, and that was Sir Luckless's shield. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that. Yeah. Maybe uh, he's the Slytherin. I like him as Gryffindor. He's a Slytherin. Slytherdor? Slytherdor. There you go. <laughs> Griffin. <laughs> he's a Slytherdor. <laughs> I just can't wait to see what else Joel ends up writing in her future and everything, too. Like, looking at how much imagination she has. I guess we know that from the books, too, but just being a little bit different, mm-hmm. too. It's She's capable yeah. of all sorts of different styles. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's all for this week. We've reached the end of our story here. All of the different stories in this book are very well worth reading. They have different styles to them, and it's almost as though they're from different periods in Wizarding Legend. Something else that I sort of mentioned in passing earlier, but I should bring up again, is that Lena Gabrielle, who is the Wizard Rock Band Butterbeer Experience, has made a CD with one song based on each of these stories. And the one based on Fountain of Fair Fortune is a 20-minute long rock opera, she calls it, 
with her and various other people from different rock bands singing together to narrate the entire story. That's very cool. Is that available on our MySpace, or is it on the CD only, or where is it? A couple of songs from it are on MySpace, so you can sample them. I believe it's The Hopping Pot, and Soliloquy is the one from Warlock's Hairy Heart. And then it's available to buy through her MySpace or also on iTunes. And I strongly recommend you all go and check it out, because it's really good. We can always link to it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. With that, we will wrap up our show for tonight. And I'm not sure what exactly you'll hear from us next week, but we will be around. So come back and listen. And I hope you enjoyed our discussion here. Yes. Good night. Good night, everybody. Waters, though there was no magic in.